morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Matt, have we got a show for you today. We're going to go from outer space to your marriage space to the family space. Lots of space. This show is pretty much dedicated to James Birdsall. James, this is the journey of your life. We're going to do a little kind of geek tracking out into outer space, which we know you like to do. Not that you're a geek, but we're going out to outer space. I didn't didn't know you you knew that I love space so much. Oh, yeah. When I think of space, I think of you, James. You're going to love our guest. Patrick Wiggins coming up. Yeah, I'm excited. He's a uh, – this guy's got more energy and – anyway – He's, he's incredible. He's going to talk to us all about space. We're going to get into Pluto. We've got uh, – we're going to talk about Mars. Is that real? Are we really going to Mars? Come on. Really? He's, I, I even asked him, for a guy that studies space, what does he find most interesting? Like what does he know that just blows our mind? <laughs> incredible. Okay. That's coming up. Also, we're going to be talking with New York Times bestselling author Richard Paul Evans. We'll be talking with him a little bit later as well. 25 New York Times bestsellers. He's the real deal. And he's actually going to come talk to us about one of the great discoveries of his life was his marriage. His marriage was struggling. He was succeeding in every other part of his life. But guess what? Couldn't make the marriage work. He was struggling on it. We're going to talk about what happened. What happened to change his entire perspective on marriage and to change his marriage? We'll talk about that later. Hadge is going to come onto the program. We're going to be talking to Heather Ann Johnson about families and how we create more unified families. Great show for you. I'm going to a wedding. That's what I've got going on today. I get to, I'm going to a wedding of, a, of the cutest girl, and it's kind of creepy. I was her first kiss. What? Yeah. That, that's creepy. That is creepy. She was a little neighbor girl that was, we were best friends with her family, and we would hang out every weekend. <laughs> and at five, uh, I have a son her age, and um, they were playing, and we were talking, and I said, okay, guys, well, whatever you do, don't go kiss. And she looked at me like, I don't kiss guys. And I go, come on, sure you do. And I said, you kiss guys? And she's like, no, I don't kiss guys. And I said, would you kiss me? And she said, yeah. So she started to kiss my cheek, and I turned, and she kissed my lips. And she freaked out. I ruined her life. It was devastating. That's what you do. It was just a cute uncle trick. So she's getting married today. And uh, she asked me to speak, basically, at a, at a luncheon. So, you know, what do you say to the new bride? that There's a show involved with the luncheon? Kind of. At mine, we just ate lunch. Yeah. Yeah. See, that was, that's what's different. Okay. But yours was also... In the penitentiary. Well. And you only had 30 minutes. <laughs> Details. <laughs> so it's a little different. Yeah, maybe for my upcoming wedding, when we yeah. have the luncheon, we should do the Matt Townsend show. Let's do it live the from, that's a great yeah. idea. Then I'll know what your wife's, or yeah, wife at the time's name is. I'll figure it out. We'll just have everyone there have I, an alias. So am I <laughs> invited to the wedding? Yeah, yeah. 
So when I get the when I get the invitation, I'll know your bride's name. Dang it! I guess so. Excellent. <laughs> she's going to become a major part of the show. Yeah, I, she's looking forward to it. Nothing. I bet. <laughs> I bet she is. Does she like space? I'm probably not nearly as much as I do. Yeah. Yeah, she's one of those. She's balanced. She, yeah, she's the good balance to me too. She's the kind of the other side. So whenever I talk about space, she kind of just she spaces out. <sighs> yeah, her eyes glaze over and stuff. But she's a great listener. Is she? Yeah. Or is she sleeping? Well, I don't know. But she she listens great. Ne- next time, ask like test her. I'll ask questions and see if she. Responds. What did I say about Pluto, honey? What did I say? What's the name of the spacecraft that's going to Pluto? <laughs> ask her stuff like that. Hmm. Well, we wish you luck as well, James. Thank you. Keep staying engaged. Lots to get to. Oh, are we interrupting your... <laughs> yes. Yeah, what What you got going? President Obama was on Jimmy Kimmel last night. Yeah? He uh, condemned the shootings in Ferguson. Yes. Says those, didn't, those didn't help the situation. Yeah. You know, all, all, the, all the things you need to say with that. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty obvious. He also went on to say he can go to the White House kitchen anytime he wants to, get a snack. Really? It's the president. What do they do? Tell him no? Uh, Mr. President, stay out of the fridge. Yeah, he has a dentist that treats him in the dentist office in the basement of the White House. Interesting. They bring the dentist will come in and they set an appointment, but he comes to you, so it's a house call. He's down there like with the laughing gas. He rarely, <laughs> he rarely tweets. He he does use email, but of course it's a government account. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He uses that's it even properly. kind of regulated too mm-hmm. because he's the president, right. and he uses a BlackBerry because it does not have a recording function on the phone. All other phones you can record your voice and that and that kind of thing and the, oh, the, the FaceTime type yeah functionality and they. BlackBerry has none of that. I know a lot of the people in D.C. love the BlackBerry phone for some reason. I guess it's because of that. They and, love, and, people yeah, love the keyboard. The keyboard. It's a functional keyboard. Also, uh, he lets his daughters use a smartphone but tells them he doesn't want to read about them on TMZ. So be smart. <laughs> Don't do anything dumb. Stay off of TMZ. I do not want to see you on He also TMZ. pointed out he's not allowed to drive. The Secret Service will not let him drive. Jimmy Kimmel countered with, is that because you don't have a birth certificate? <laughs> and he replied back, he goes, in Kenya, we drive on the other side of the road. So. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> a dig. That's really cool. He's 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 okay with you making a Kenyan kind of-ish joke without a birth certificate. Or at least he took it to Kenya because yeah. he likes to that's really cool. poke his detractors. I mean, that's a fun president right there. There you go. By the way, a lot of that's just the theme that the president can pretty much do whatever he wants. Yeah. Within reason. Yeah. I mean, except drive. The guys with guns tell them you yeah. can't do things. So It's interesting. By the way, the guys with guns can't drive themselves. Apparently not. Secret Service, the agents suspected of driving a government car through a White House security barricade while drunk last week were actually disrupting an active bomb investigation. <laughs> the Washington Post reported Thursday citing officials familiar with the incident. The Post reports the pair drove through police tape, hit a temporary barricade. It was like a barrel. And ended up directly next to the package, which turned out to be a book wrapped in a green T-shirt. Earlier that night, a woman shouted she was holding a bomb before dropping the package near the White House and running to her car. It, it actually so. sounds like a great comedy show with Will Ferrell being in the Secret Service. Yes. Like, that's how he would show up to a bomb scene. He'd just knock over everything. And, and then he'd open yeah. his door and hit the bomb and it would explode. Yeah. But luckily, this was just a book. Just a book, but still. So not a Will Ferrell movie. And then the idea that Junior... Agents were, they said, okay, we need to arrest these guys. And the yeah. senior agent said, no, let him go. Oh, yeah. No, that was just an accident. All that stuff. So, By the way, did you see Will Ferrell on all of the... The 10 baseball teams yeah, yesterday. He played 10 positions and for 10 teams in one day. Oh, uh, it was a fantastic. It's a good thing. He's but a great actor. When all the teams show up to the same spring training complex, yeah. you can do that. 
Well, how cool for him. On Twitter, they announced every trade. Did they? they <laughs> got, oh, and now he's on the Reds, or now he's over here. And he, he struck out, and he he actually fielded a ball. It was great. He'd hold up signs, giving uh-huh. like tips yeah. and cues and he signs like to the players. He's like third base coach, but he would, instead of giving signs, he'd actually hold up yeah, signs. He'd say, like, hit the ball. You know? Hit the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. A most recent NBC Wall Street Journal poll, 89% of people believe that the president and Congress want to stick to their partisan positions instead of working together. Hmm. That includes 90% of Republicans, 89% of Democrats, and 85% of independent people who, you know, they uh, they side with those those parties. So these the people in the poll, basically almost 90% yeah. all agree oh, that no one's going to do anything in Washington. But this is great. Finally, America's coming together. We are all united in the fact that Congress is going to act in their own self-interest. And then it says, those who believe Washington figures act in their own political interest diagnose the problem differently. 26% blame the Republicans, 15% point the figure of President Obama, and 47% blame both sides equally. Hmm. So whose fault is the fact that no one can get anything done? It's... Is it the Republicans? Is it the president? Or is it both sides? Looks I... like the majority is both sides. Yeah. Again, we're divided. That's right. We gosh. Right when I thought we were getting together, we were coming apart. Well, okay. I guess that's news. That's some. I mean, it's not good news. It's just bad news. We don't trust politicians. Hey, we've got a great guest. When I uh, think about doing the show, I always think who has passion and who can teach us and give us answers to a lot of the questions that we're talking about in the news. Patrick Wiggins is coming up. He is an ambassador for NASA and their space program. We're going to be interviewing him after the break. Take a break. We'll be right back right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. And good morning to you again. What a... What an interesting topic we've got now to cover. You, you've heard all of the stories. You know, we've talked about them on the show a lot. The, uh, the different planned missions, I guess, to go to Mars. And uh, even yesterday we talked about Pluto and how the NASA's New Horizons spacecraft will reach Pluto or near the area of Pluto in uh, July and also Ceres. Um, and we talked about, I don't know if you remember, we made jokes about you know, you know, one day Pluto's a planet, one day Pluto's not a planet. And we wanted to talk to a professional, somebody that uh, that really understands what's going on with NASA, what's going on with space. You may not even know this, but July 2011 marked the last space shuttle mission for NASA. And uh, so we wanted, we wanted to know kind of what's happening with our space program. And I, I thought of a man that I've heard many times – uh, on radio and on, in, on television. Uh, he's a great um, uh, friend of, I think, space. I, I've actually never seen anyone more passionate than Patrick Wiggins, who is our next uh, guest. He's a retired um, from Hanson Planetarium, where he spent 26 years and has done a lot of outreach and a lot of work in public schools teaching children as well as he has also become um, an ambassador, a solar system ambassador for NASA, where he just recently received, uh, I think, a really powerful award um, that was presented to him as a NASA Distinguished Public Service Medal 
for his outstanding efforts as a solar system ambassador volunteer. Basically, you know, they ask these volunteers to give about do about four events per year. And our guest, uh, Patrick Wiggins, has, has given actually 88 events per year. And uh, which is a big, big sacrifice. He's been doing that for over 12 years. So 35 plus years in uh, the field of um, space. And I just love his passion. So Patrick Wiggins, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Whoa. Uh, thank you. That's quite the intro. I need you, a bigger hat now. You no, know, you weren't expecting yeah. all of that, were you? But I, I uh, love no, that. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you. It's, well, uh, it beats working for a living. Let's put it that way. It totally does. Well, and that's the funny thing. Many people don't even know, but, you know, you, you're a night owl now. You spend all night uh, just looking up at the stars. In fact, you just barely, you know, you, you, we're having to tape this just so you could get some sleep. <laughs> where, where does the passion for space come from with you, Patrick? How did you catch this fire? Uh, I, I actually can't think of a time when I didn't have it uh, there in the working days when I actually had to be up during daylight, that was kind of a bummer. But uh, <laughs> once that ended, it's uh, I basically reverted it. I mean, I spent a lot of time in the Air Force, and it was kind of fun because I was a night owl then. And so here I am always volunteering for the night shift. So uh, it, it, it wasn't unusual for me at all to be up all night. That's, that's just simply who I am. That's great. Well, and, and at night, I guess you get a better view of the stars. You You actually... Uh, you you go and you look through uh, telescopes, and what are you finding? Well, actually, I, I'm like a lot of professional astronomers, and I am certainly not a professional. I am a volunteer amateur astronomer. Uh, I don't look through telescopes. Uh, most astronomy today, professional astronomy, is done taking data where you have cameras or other sensors that are on the back of the telescope, and then you go through what comes out of the sensor or what oh, comes out of the camera. And so I like chase asteroids, or uh, I'll watch for cataclysmic variables, or find a supernova that's exploded in a galaxy somewhere. But uh, the only time I ever get to actually look through a telescope is at public events that the local astronomy club, the Salt Lake Astronomical Society, holds. Uh, they're called star parties, where mm-hmm. we set up telescopes for the public at a parking lot somewhere and uh, let the public look and occasionally I'll sneak a peek. You'll get so, in there. Yeah, I, I look occasionally, but not very often. Otherwise, you're just crunching numbers and looking at data. Yeah, that's, huh. that's pretty much it. It, uh, it. A lot of people think it's kind of boring, and I suppose if you look at it that way, it is. But, you know, I am contributing to science. You and, are. And to me, that's the big thing. Uh, you've got to have a passion for this kind of thing. And it's certainly not in, in it for the money. It's like, well, my other main passion is aviation. You know, I don't really make money off of that. I spend money on that. That's right. But I, I introduce people to aviation, and uh, this also introduce people to astronomy. And just the sciences in general. We need more scientists. In fact, let's talk about that. What, I mean, since, I, I mean, the NASA program is, it's, it seems to be slowing down, get, receiving less funding, and, and maybe, and I guess, having fewer missions. Is, is, that, is that a correct read? Uh, I really can't speak to the money part of it because, well, intentionally, I kind of stay out of that. Yeah. Uh, that starts, that, that, that sneaks into the realm of politics and and you get me started on politics and I get in trouble. So, <laughs> you know, I, I just have no. Just no, keep it uh, clean, huh? 
Hey, yeah, I have no patience for that kind of stuff. If you've got a goal, you go for it. But, yeah, there there is a, a rather nasty rumor going around that NASA is shutting down or whatever. And I think the reason being is that uh, uh, people don't see the space shuttle anymore. And, yeah. oh, well, if there's no space shuttle, there must not be any NASA. But as you mentioned in the promo, all of these missions that are going, I mean, NASA is very much alive. Yeah. Believe me, there's lots of stuff going on. Sure, no shuttle. But, uh, you know, well, just uh, here recently, yesterday as we're taping this, uh, just north of Salt Lake, there was a huge rocket motor that was test-fired for NASA. Mm. So, yeah, we're, we're working on it. We're still going. Uh, and, and not just us, of course. There are space programs around the world that continue. And even the private sector. And this really excites me. I mean, I want to get into space someday, and I don't think it's going to happen with NASA. Uh, I'm going to have to buy a ticket someday. Yeah. But there are companies that are working on that, and it won't be long, I don't think, until uh, people yeah, – not, it's not going to be cheap, but right. uh, to where you'll be able to afford to buy a ticket and be shot into space. So, uh, you know, if anybody from NASA is listening, my bosses, and uh, they need a guinea pig, here I am. <laughs> Take me. Talk about yeah, that. Me, me. Well, I mean, you, all of a sudden we have the Dawn spacecraft that's up that is now, I guess, uh, on its way to Ceres, which is um, yep. a planet. there. Is it there? And, yeah, and it- just uh, a couple of days ago it went into orbit around uh, dwarf planet Ceres. Uh, and here's another example, by the way, where you're talking about planet being not a planet or yeah. whatever. Uh, when Ceres was first discovered in 1801, it was thought to be a planet. And uh, they kept finding more of these things. And, and by the, about the 1850s, there were a whole slew of planets. And I felt bad for kids back then having to memorize all of the planets. But then around the middle of the century, somebody went, wait a minute, those aren't planets, they're asteroids. And so a bunch Uh. of them got reclassified. So, you know, they did it back then and there was no big hue and cry. And yet now we did that with Pluto and it wasn't demoted, as some people say. It was reclassified. And here's this, whoa, is me for poor Pluto. So it happened. Well, you Science don't want to go changes. from a planet to a dwarf planet if it feels like it was rejected. Well, it, it, but you it's know, still, you're the scientist. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just you you reclassify things. It, it's kind of like okay, I'm uh, talking to you. I've never met you. I've never seen yeah. a picture of you, but right. I get a mental image of what you look like. Well, if I come up and I actually see you sometime, and you don't look like what I thought you did, I have to in my mind reclassify what you look like. I'm not demoting you because right. you've got a different style of hair than what I'm imagining. So it's the same with science. We don't demote, we reclassify. That's great. And it's interesting because you're now getting pictures from these spacecraft. You'll get pictures of Ceres in the asteroid belt. You'll also get a picture of Pluto in the Kuiper belt. And do you think uh, that will change the game? Will will that help us reclassify again? We're learning more and more all the time, and you just don't know. I mean, we don't know questions that we don't know to ask at yeah. this point. Yeah. Uh, so that's one, for me at least, the exciting thing about this kind of stuff. I mean, looking at uh, series right now as Dawn is approaching, we're seeing this, these two, especially one, but there's two bright dots. Hmm. On the surface, they look like lights. It's a car shining out into space. Yeah, and you know, no, no idea what they are. I mean, uh, you know, of course, the UFOers are going, oh yeah, uh, (laughs) you know, UFOs. And I've been joking that it's just a Starbucks sign, you know, or whatever. But uh, (laughs) you know, but you know, and it's getting closer and closer, and we just don't know yet. But it's kind of the excitement of of the chase and the discovery. So tomorrow we most know something that today we had no idea that we were going to know. 
mean, that's it. You could get to Pluto and find out that there's, you know, ice caps or you you could find out almost anything, couldn't you? Yeah, we just because up until, well, up until now, uh, we've had an idea of what Pluto looked like. But as each day goes by and better data comes in, we're finding more and more stuff. So, you know, okay, come let's up with do an it. idea in your head, but now let's check it out. That's and, great. Uh, well, as I tell the kids when I do science experiments, you know, they don't always work. <laughs> That's not bad. Right. You know, sometimes you've got to fail in order to learn. Yeah. Do you feel, how do you feel about this, uh, the space trip, I guess, to Mars? It seems like it's it's a weird mix between, you know, a television show and, you know, kind of a reality oh. show and a space trip. Is, is it legit? Yeah. Is it real? Um, Mars One, I think. Is, is, yeah. is that the one you're yeah, referring to? Yeah, that's it. To? Yeah. Yeah, I actually had some rather uh, sad news about that yesterday. Apparently, uh, they've uh, now, okay, I, I've only got one source on this. So okay. I'm just going to say, here's one source. what I've heard. Yes. Right? Okay. Uh, although it was a reputable source, the Planetary Society out of Pasadena, California. But it looks like they ran out of money or, oh. it's, or it's not happening or whatever, which doesn't really surprise me because getting to Mars is going to be a very expensive process. Uh, and maybe they'll pull it out. But uh, I, I've been watching that with interest because somebody that lives right down the road from me was one of the finalists. Yeah. No, we had and him on the show. It would be kind of fun. Oh, very good. And it would it would be kind of fun to know that you know my neighbor. Uh, yeah. you know, I've never met the guy, but you know, <laughs> my neighbor going to Mars. Uh, so you know it's going to happen someday. Uh, people, you know, barring some horrible tragedy here on Earth that wipes out or you know, all of our science and civilization, uh, people do that. They want to explore. Uh, even well, my example of that when I was uh, stationed in Vietnam back in the late '60s. You know, we wanted to get off the base. After a while, you mm-hmm. just don't like it on the base. Even though you know people are out there that might not like you, still want to explore. And so we get off base occasionally. Well, same thing here. Yeah. We are on the Earth, and we've been here long enough. Uh, there was a famous Russian scientist years ago that said Earth is the cradle of civilization. Hey, but you don't stay in the cradle forever. That's so, so true. You know, we're going to explore. So this idea of going to Mars and, and that it's a one-way trip, I mean, that freaks some people out. Oh, yeah, no, that's... Uh, you know, oh, what? what that's crazy. Way? What? Yeah. If you look back at the early explorers that left Europe coming to North America, they had no intention, many of them, that's of true. ever coming back. No, that's it true. It was a one-way trip. So, well, and for sure. someone for someone like you that is so passionate about it, you'd get on that ship in a minute, right? Well, I, I'm not quite that far. Okay. I, I would okay. want to come back. Yeah, yeah. But they had thousands of people apply for this program. So there are That's, a yeah. lot of people out there. Not me in this case. Well, I want to get in this space, That's right. I, I would like to come back. Well, and thank heavens. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Patrick Wiggins, uh, one of the uh, NASA ambassadors. And he's a NASA ambassador for Utah. He's teaching us about... Life in space and what what we're missing and where the passion is up there. We'll come back, continue this journey right here on the Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Today we're exploring space. You hear all the stories, Pluto, we have we have ships, you know, ready to take pictures, aircraft, well, I guess spacecraft, ready to take pictures of Pluto in July. Come on. We could find something incredible there on the on Ceres, which is, I guess, a really large asteroid that could become a planet. Uh, they just took pictures and found some lights. Man, we're, so don't just think it's all dead in space. We have, we're sending some ships up. Interestingly, they went up March 6th. Uh, I mean, they went up in 2006, I believe. And so it's taken a little bit of a uh, time to get there. We brought on an expert, though, to walk us through you know, what's going on in space and also really to teach us a little bit more about the power of, of science behind some of this. And maybe some of you have children or grandkids that are really into uh, the, the space program. And uh, I wanted to talk to Patrick Wiggins, who's our guest. He is um, just – he's worked at uh, the Hanson Planetarium, which is a, a planetarium here in Utah. He loves uh, space, I guess, and loves science and and also loves teaching. And whenever I can find somebody that's this passionate, I always want to get him on the show. Patrick Wiggins, thanks for coming back. Oh, happy to do it. Talk about um, the moon. Why Why did we kind of go there, conquer it, or whatever, not conquer it, learn from it? Why, have we, why haven't we been back? Uh, oh, boy. And will now we ever go back? That, and, yeah, oh, I'm sure. As a matter of fact, the Chinese just went. Not with people, of course. Uh, a lot of people don't realize the Chinese put a lander and a rover on the moon uh, yeah. several months ago. Uh, so uh, it's one of those things, one of those places we're going to go. Uh, the the reason that we went in the first place might not have been the best. I think there was a lot of politics that drove the Apollo program back right. in the uh, in the '60s and early '70s, but it got us there. And but then we just kind of stopped. So now we're kind of looking at Mars, uh, looking at going out to an asteroid. Uh, there's lots, you know, space is a big place, mm-hmm. and uh, there are lots of places to go out there. And we've got, obviously, a finite budget. And, and in this case, by the way, when I say we, I'm talking about humankind. Right. Uh, because, you know, lots of countries are exploring space. I mean, the Europeans, I don't know if you've heard about the Rosetta spacecraft. No. Uh, it's, it's orbiting a comet right now called 67P. And you, you Google that. Some of the images that are coming back from that are just spectacular. Wow. It, 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 the thing looks like two ice cream balls of ice cream that kind of stuck together, and they're rotating through space. And the cliffs and the ledges oh, and wow. the plateaus. I mean, it, they're just incredible imagery coming back from space. This from the Europeans. So yeah, with, with not a lot of money uh, and not the political will, things don't happen that we wish would. But uh, down the road, as I was saying before the break, uh, human beings are made to explore. It's what we do. And uh, barring something keeping us from doing it, that's what we're going to do. That's why these you know, thousands of people volunteered for a one-way trip that's to right. Mars. Well, and the spirit of exploration seems to be a powerful motivator. Also, just it seems like the education of it all and the advancement of technology and, and insight. Maybe talk to that. Uh, what, what do we gain you know, technologically, what do we gain um, educationally by doing this? Oh, yeah. There, there's a couple of different ways for looking at science, and I, I'm kind of split on these. Um, there is the part of science that 
just benefits everybody. Uh, the the uh, discoveries that are made when we're doing one thing oft times will totally just surprisingly benefit something completely unrelated. I mean, I can come up with the, you know, the early days of the space program, Tang and Teflon right. and all of that, that was developed for the space program that we ended up using, you know, in everyday life. Uh, and that's a good motivator. But again, I get back to just the basic we want to learn. And to me, that trumps all. But uh, you know, I've got to be realistic, too. So if we come up with these spinoffs that uh, come from space exploration or science in general that help something else, you know, that's really good. And if somebody makes some money off of it, well, you know, that's the American way. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what's going to happen with commercial space tourism, which, again, coming up, well, it was going to be this year, but maybe now next year. Uh, buy a ticket. You know, hey, uh, you want to sponsor me? I'll <laughs> That's okay. right. You'll, yeah, you, you'll take a ticket. Virgin Galactic, I guess uh, they had they made the news a while ago with a crash of one of their ships. What, yeah, do you want to talk uh, about that? What what was that about? I mean, it happens, uh, but uh, you know, it's not going to stop us. No, I mean, I, I'm a commercial pilot, you know, and I know that every now and then something happens, and then airplane crashes. But it certainly doesn't keep us from getting on the next flight to Denver or wherever we're going. Uh, the early days of aviation, there was an awful lot of that. Uh, the Russians, especially, had horrendous accidents. One in particular that killed a couple of hundred people. Oh wow! So it's. Uh, it happens. It's part of the learning process. But one of the things that uh, private commercial enterprise can do is they're not quite as risk adverse, if you will, as governments. And they'll take a few chances. They'll cut a few corners. And, yeah, uh, people may get hurt, may die in the process, but that's all part of the the learning experience. And I'd, I'd be willing to bet. I mean, I don't want to speak for somebody that's not around anymore, but Anytime you get into a rocket, uh, you know that there's a possibility that you're not coming back. No, right, but yeah. They take that uh, risk in mind. Every time I get into the airplane and start the engine, I realize there's a possibility that something could go wrong. But, hey, I love to fly, and so I'm willing worth to it. risk that. Talk about – I have been wanting to ask you this question really for years, ever since oh. I ever heard you once <laughs> talk. Okay, so here's the question. You, okay. You've studied a ton of it. You've read everything. You've been in on NASA. You've studied everything, right? I mean, not everything, but you've yeah, seen a I lot. Know what you mean, so what? I mean, you've been all through the Hubble pictures. You've done a lot. What blows your mind? What have you learned about space that I, 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 that you've probably even forgotten? But that the rest of us, if we just heard it, would blow our minds. I, 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 this may be a little esoteric, but to me, the exciting part is what we might know tomorrow that we don't know today. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what drives the whole thing. I, I mean, I could, you know, if you want me to pull a couple of examples. Yeah, give, out just of give us a few that you've learned, away. though, that you're like, whoa. Uh, Keep in mind that to the normal person, these might not be that big a deal. But uh, back in the late 90s, uh, I still remember even at the planetarium doing classes and talking about how the, the universe is expanding and it's slowing down and we don't know whether it's going to come to a stop or if it's going to crash back together someday. And suddenly the whole world of science was uprooted when we found out the world, the universe is expanding, but it's not slowing down. It's accelerating. Oh, wow. It's like taking a ball and throwing it up in the air and having it suddenly shoot away from you rather than <laughs> slow down and come back. 
that just rocked all of astronomical physical science. And to this day, there are still a few that uh, don't believe it, but more and more data coming in. So here was a complete change. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be something like back uh, several hundred years ago when people started saying the Earth was round and it's going around the sun. And, of course, well, one poor guy named uh, <laughs> Bruno uh, got burned at the stake for saying that. Yeah. Uh, today, if we say something that's weird, they don't typically burn us at the stake anymore, at least not in the U.S. So it's uh, things like that. Uh, literally, I, I just have to say that it's what we may know tomorrow that we don't know today. That's, That's what I look forward to. That's what gets me up every afternoon. You're, yeah, afternoon. It sounds like <laughs> yeah, you've got like fine. a really nice party life. But really, you're just... Uh, no, not party. No, you're not. Uh, no, it's in the observatory uh, typically from when it gets dark <laughs> until it starts to get light in the morning. And it's just me sitting here with a bank of computers and a telescope outside. So, oh, how interesting. Uh, not a lot of party, but uh, again, who knows what I may find. I mean, my birthday last year, early in the morning, uh, there was this blip on one of the monitors. And it was like, what the heck is that? And it turned out it was the brightest of its kind. It was this thing that happens in space every now and then that has ever been seen, right? And so I got a little write-up in a magazine about it. And so, you know, it's just great. fun stuff. And I had no idea that was going to happen, but it did. And so, wow. It's powerful. Too. I thought that was Yeah, happy neat. birthday to you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what, what would you tell parents? I mean, I know, you, I know you have a lot of children that come through a lot of your programs. You teach a lot of physics as well as astronomy. Teach us what should we do to keep this love of science alive in our kids if, if we see it? Or how do we spark it more in our children? Do encourage it. Uh, one of, now, okay, for especially for astronomy, I, I, this is one of my pet peeves. Uh, I love it when parents buy telescopes for kids but only when they buy real telescopes and not junky telescopes. Mm. Uh, Quality. Uh, that happened to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, check with a local uh, astronomy club or planetarium or science center. Find out, make sure what you're buying is something decent. Uh, and this comes from experience. When I was a little kid, uh, my mother bought me uh, a telescope, and it was a piece of junk, and it was hard to use, and it pretty much killed my interest in astronomy. Oh. And uh, now that the statute of limitations has expired, I will mention that I did discover something through that telescope, and it was this really cute girl that lived next door. But we won't get into that, right? <laughs> you know? Well, uh, a star is born. Long ago. <laughs> yeah, right. right, heavenly bodies. So, uh, but no, uh, do encourage the kids. Yeah. Uh, if you know, they come up and they say, hey, they want to do this, okay, maybe we can't afford it, but go to a star party. Uh, star parties are held literally around the world. Uh, if you go, actually, to my website, I'll give a little plug for Yeah, get, what is the website? Uh, just, it's uh, utahastro.info, so utahastro.info, and uh, down near the bottom of the site, there is a, a thing that says, find an astronomy club in your area, and it's, uh, I think it's Sky Publishing is where I have linked to there, and uh, there are Astronomy clubs, you'd be surprised, even little places uh, here in Utah, a little yeah. place called uh, uh, St. George has got a, a couple of astronomy clubs. But go to those, go to science centers, go to museums. Oh, I just still as a kid, I remember, loved going to museums. Just, but encourage it when they want to do this sort yeah. of thing. Uh, don't just say, oh, you know, you can't do that, and especially yeah. girls. Oh, yeah. this so bugs me. You know, oh, you're a girl, you can't do that. I hey, know. We need, to, you know? We, we, need, we need to get off of that, don't we? We need to start promoting... Much more science. Patrick, I, I appreciate you. Uh, Patrick Wiggins, again, 
We've uh, we've appreciated learning from you and just the passion, folks. I love to hear the passion from you, Patrick. Well, we appreciate it, everybody. Uh, go check out his website and continue to keep the fire alive with your kids. We're going to take a break and uh, continue our discussions about uh, more tools, more things in life to give you hope and help you see the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Love Patrick Wiggins. I felt, you know, in that interview, I felt like a 10-year-old. Going to space camp. Going to space camp and not, I didn't have the right language or the right words. I, But I've listened to Patrick on television and radio talking about space forever. I'm not a big space guy. You may not know that. I'm not big into science. But anytime, anytime there's that level of passion, I just love it. Now, here's the thing. Right when we uh, – that was an interview that had to be pre-recorded because he is up. He wait, he sleeps until 2 in the afternoon, gets up, and then he works all night. When we were setting up the interview, yeah. he emails back and goes, well, I work nights. He's a night Because owl. he's an, basically an astronomer. Right. And, you know, he's yeah. studying the sky, studying space. That stuff happens at night. And so we're like, oh, yeah, right. He goes, I get up around noon. Like, oh, okay. So we're taping it. At the end of the taping, right when we were done, uh, before he left, he goes, I've got to tell you one more story. So I wanted – and he goes, I want you, if you can, tell this story to everybody. There, there's an interesting thing going on with this uh, – the New Horizon spacecraft. That's the craft that is on its way to um, Pluto and will pass Pluto. I think it will pass within about 6,500 miles of Pluto. So it's the closest we've we've ever been. And um, he said on that mission, which was launched in um, 06, on that mission, uh, they, they you know, how do you create something that has to go, think of that, an engine that has to somehow go 4.5 billion miles or whatever. Um, by the way, Pluto was discovered in 1930 by a guy named Clyde Tombaugh. And Clyde... You know, had passed away before this uh, was taking off. His wife, though, at the time was about 93 years old. And the team that had put together this uh, this mission, the New Horizons mission, thought, wouldn't it be great if we could have something of Clyde on this mission? Just some memento, something. So interesting little fact. They got together with the wife of Clyde Tombaugh. And guess what they put on the ship? His ashes. Some of Clyde's ashes are, in July, going to fly by Pluto. Isn't that cool? My ashes would probably make it to a flying J truck stop. That's where mine are going. Clyde's all the way to Pluto, 4.5 billion, I think it's kilometers away. Anyway, pretty cool story. He says it's a little creepy. He says uh, uh, what Patrick Wiggins was telling me is when he tells the kids this story, he always says, wouldn't it have been cooler if we just had Clyde's eyeball and put Clyde's eyeball in the window of the – and I'm like, that's gross. <laughs> that's gross. That's kind of gross. But uh, fascinating stuff, folks. Space, the last frontier. That's actually quite cool. 
Really cool. A piece of him with the the kind of the one of the biggest things he was able to do in his professional life. And that machine's going to keep going. It's yeah. got plutonium engine that keeps exploding plutonium and keep shooting out. There. But they think it could go on forever. I mean, and, you know, and, and keep transmitting back information. And it's getting pictures, real time pictures. What if on Pluto, you find like the Space Jam people from that cartoon Space Jam? Michael uh, Jordan. Okay. Remember? Yeah. Well, was, weren't they on Pluto? I don't know where they were. That was. Let's go to our source, I mean, James. I, I watched the movie, but. James, uh, where. I was scared. Will you just research that, James? Yep. Space Jam? Anyway. And I found this story. What? Specifically for James. Oh, really? He is getting married. He's getting married. And we're going to have next hour, Richard Paul Evans is going to come and talk about, you know, world famous author. Sold 17 million copies of his books, 25 New York Times bestsellers. He's going to come talk about his marriage, hit a major wall, and how he got around it. So James is going to learn there. What did you learn? The average wedding ceremony and reception will set you back $31,000 in the United States. Really? That's average across the country. $31,000. It's a five-year high. Yeah. Because they obviously track this kind of stuff. Sure. The... uh well, this is kind of self-serving, but it says the popular website, The Knot, which is a wedding website. The this Knot. This is from them. The K-N-O-T. Their PR information says that they're a popular website. So I don't <laughs> know if they are, but they say they are. So yes. they surveyed 16,000 brides, found that the spending was up almost ev- on almost everything except for par- uh, the party favors and invitations. Hmm. Uh, the report found that reception venues cost the most, eating up 45% of the average wedding budget. Wow. The spending on each guest is at its highest level since uh, they started taking this poll in 2007. Really? The most expensive place to hold a wedding? Mo- most expensive state or uh, location? Location in the United yeah. States. Manhattan. Oh, I bet. $76,000. That's the, oh, wow. And that was down almost ten grand from the year before. Mm-hmm. And the least expensive is in Utah. Really? Which is about $15,000. Yeah. N- yeah. That which is- means I think I overspent on my marriage. Did you? If if that's the average, having just we might have overspent. Having paid for a wedding two years ago, we definitely did it the Mormon way at fifteen thousand two hundred fifty-seven. <laughs> the reason it's cheaper here, though, is because we use the LDS Church has facilities if you want them, so you can just use a church building, and that's free. You usually just have to fight with people playing basketball. That's right. You just have Kick to somehow out. turn a gymnasium into a an elegant, you know, Greek garden. It's always interesting to see how they decorate the hoops. That's so. what I see today. I'm speaking at this wedding, this wedding dinner, this wedding lunch, and I'm like, "What do you say? What I mean, What do you tell somebody?" And I so I've been trying to throw some advice at James, and every time I give him some advice, he looks at me like shocked, like, "Oh yeah, don't say that." So now I'm scared. Now, you could share this with the bride's father. I could go find out. Find out what the price was. Did we underpay or overpay? See if he under, yeah, because he might have overpaid. 15000 I mean, if they're going to have you there, they've obviously overpaid. Well, I mean, my fee is fifteen grand. Yeah, so. <laughs> so I haven't told them I'm going to charge a fee, but of course I'm charging a fee. Right. I mean, sure, they're family and friends, but I am. Time is money. I'm going to give them a book, so that's their wedding gift. They'll find out when they receive the check in the mail. Yeah. Actually, I just uh, – the bill – I'm actually going to hand them the bill today. I'm not going to send it. That's rude. I'm actually going to hand it to the father of the bride. 
my bill. Just put it in an envelope, put it in his pocket, give him a nice little tap. There you go. By the way, if any of you want uh, me to speak at your wedding or your wedding dinner, I'm there. We'll even bring the radio show. Really? Yeah. I think this could be a really powerful way to, you know, to, to promote the show, but we'll go do weddings. A lot of people start at weddings, like wedding singers. They, they start just doing weddings, and there's thousands of them, and the season's coming. You're going to single-handedly drive up the average price of a, of a wedding in the state of Utah. I'll give a deal. I won't charge 15. I'll charge five grand. Oh, that's reasonable. And then we'll come do the show live from your wedding. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, and you, James, you could like you could mix some songs, some music for yep. the for the people. I'd be like the DJ. Yeah, you wouldn't. We wouldn't need to have a DJ because you could just be Sir Mix a little. Yeah, just just a little. Sir Mix a little. That'd Isn't be awesome. that his name? Isn't there a Sir Mix well, a little? It's, it mix a lot. Oh, it's mix a lot. But yeah. a little would would fit James. Well, yeah. James would fix it. Mix a little. And all DJing is anymore for most people. That's right. Who don't have all the equipment is just plug your phone in. Yeah, just plug your phone in. Yeah, I'm and the get DJ. Some big speakers. Yeah. So this is actually I haven't thought this through, but this is powerful. We're going to just think it through on the air. Um, you be Sir Mix a little. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna be the DJ. And Terry, you could be the wedding planner because you're the producer. Producers are the planners. Right. I don't know if you want me planning it because I'll totally undercut. <laughs> well, but, you, you, but then I'll just be talent. I'm, not, I'm the guy that whatever, the, whatever we could do that would be the best for the wedding, I'd find the cheaper way that would really yeah. not work. Because the, you, you were talking about your wedding and how the average in Utah is 15257 And you said yeah. your wedding wasn't even 1500 Well, I, didn't, I don't really know the price. Oh, you do. You said it. It's 1500 and you said you just had it at a public park. Well, they they have those nice pavilions. You just have to rent it out. It's like twenty five bucks, right? A yeah. bouquet of dandelions that you right. picked outside. Yeah, it's on, on the baseball diamonds. You just go pick them up. We we're the traveling wedding team. I'll speak. If I were a pastor, I could perform the wedding. But you, we could hire a pastor. You can go online to the Church of the Jedi and get yourself. You bring your pastor. And license. we'll come. We'll bring the party. You bring that. That's that's the name of. The, we'll write this down, James. Okay, Take yep. a note here. The name of the company. You bring you bring the pastor. We bring the party. Mm-hmm. Dot go. com. Dot com. Forward slash. It's a long forward slash. Matt Townsend show. Okay. Yeah. Backslash. Dot com. Dot bomb. Trademark. Copyright. Blogspot. Dot. Blogspot. Dot. Edu. WordPress. <laughs> so I were here, folks changing the world one wedding at a time we're going to take a break when we come back richard paul evans will be joining us new york times best-selling author my friends and he's going to talk about the one question that may save your marriage big deal big big lesson for all of us up next right here on the matt townsend show friends hour number two of the matt townsend show underway i'm your host dr matt townsend your coach your guide on the side remember on this program we want to give you the tools the skills the ideas 
the information you need to go create your great life, right? We're all after the good life, but a lot of times we don't know how to get there. And we want to take advantage of maybe the 20 minutes you have in your car, or if you're in L.A., the hour and a half you have in your car commuting in the morning to get the information you need. That's what this show's about, helping you live better, love stronger, and lead. Lead the people around us. Uh, we <laughs> we always joke about, um, you know, we don't joke, just about Congress, and we need more leadership. It's just such a hard thing. Any news? A new Gallup poll. What? I always find it interesting. When we talk to the American public, the polling data comes back. Yeah. Gallup poll. Americans continue to view government as their single greatest problem, followed by the economy and unemployment. See? Now, but the problem might be yourself. Maybe the problem isn't government. Maybe the problem is we keep thinking government is going to fix our problems. And maybe that's the problem. Well, and the other thing, the economy, when it hits this uh, list of what's the biggest problem in your life, when gas prices dropped, that kind of went away as a problem. The economy's looking great because I pay less at the pump. Right. And then, the, you know, they're starting to creep back up, gas prices, and the economy's now an issue again. Now we're miserable. So it depends on your situation and how you're being affected or so, viewing the problems that are, are yeah. out there. So That's a, that's a personal we got yeah. to think that through. We're, we're going to work on that on the show. Congressional approval ratings of at 16%, which is an improvement. Oh, they're going up. They're going up. President Obama is faring a little better at uh, 46%. He's exactly average for presidents in their third March after re-election. So presidents really? at the same point in yeah. their two-year term. He took a hit, and now he's back up to just average. And um, it's interesting, too, though. The Congress numbers went up considering they wrote that letter to Iran that ticked everybody off. This might have been before okay. the letter. So I hey, don't know how that would have been adjusted. That's interesting. So they were ticking up. So what might be fun is to see <laughs> what happens to those. Should we – let's just talk. I'm going to bet they're going to drop a bit. Could be. You know? It depends. We have a, a few of the uh, – what the White House has their uh, self-imposed deadline and when they want to have the treaty negotiated. Yeah. At least a framework. And so as that gets closer, we can finally see what the, the final product is of that treaty. Because right now, the the, uh, the 47 senators jump out there and criticize something that isn't even a finished yet. Right. There's no finished product of whatever yeah. this framework is going to be. Same thing with Netanyahu coming here and talking to yeah. Congress. They're commenting on a framework, something that's still moving around. And I saw in the news, Bibi Netanyahu's numbers aren't doing so great in Israel. So his trip here maybe didn't boost him. He included clips of him speaking to the U.S. Congress in some political ads yeah. uh, the last few days over in Israel. And so, yeah, he's he's looking for anything to yeah. boost his presence Well, in the maybe country. if he doesn't win um, as prime minister in Israel, he ought to come over and run uh, for some GOP office because He'd they, loved, win. Him. they yeah. loved him when he was here. <laughs> he's more popular here, maybe. I mean, I don't understand the full, you know, political yeah. spectrum, but you know, he was really popular. Another poll uh, found that Hillary Clinton, as it says, a Democrat, <laughs> just in case you didn't know, is viewed positively by 44% of registered voters surveyed, hmm. negatively by 36%. Jeb Bush, the former Florida governor, faces similar levels of opposition, 34% saying they view him negatively, 
Just 23 say they view the Republican positively. Really? See, we keep thinking they're just the front runners, but I think it's just the names. It's just the names. Uh, well, Hillary is the only runner at the moment yeah. for the Democrats. But yeah, Jeb seems to be, uh, he, he seems to have some work to do, as it says here. <laughs> yeah. He has some, some, some hills to climb. The poll was taken before the email issues with Mrs. Clinton, so that could reflect. Yeah, that may change. But it seems there. like, I think Jeb's just keeping his head down. He I doesn't, you know, you know. He's, just, letting, he's letting the other Republicans that may or may not run kind of run right. to the, the, the extreme right or more to the right. And he's trying to kind of stay middle of the road because that's where the election's going to end up. That's right. And so I don't know if that's a tactic that'll work because you do have to get the Republican Nominate. Prime, or nomination, and yeah. the way you do that is you have to go to the right. Hmm. So we'll see if his tactics are working. Uh, Wisconsin governor, um, where's this at? My copy didn't copy right here. Uh-oh. Uh, Marco Rubio has the highest number of Republicans. He's the senator from Florida, 56%. Scott Walker, Florida, uh, Wisconsin governor, received 53% of Republican likely primary voters. Interesting. So they could see him. So looks like Rubio has the lead at the moment Rubio with uh, Scott Walker at 53%. So those are your two uh, front runners th- yeah. at the moment. Well, this is this far uh, out from next November. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, I personally away. just, I can't invest much interest in it yet. Yeah. To me, it's just fun to see him, you know, jockeying for position. It reminds me of high school when, you know, everyone's like, Hey everybody, who's running for student body office? Or they show up at lunch pizza and, yeah, for everybody. And yeah. 500 people are running. We'll wait till it gets closer. Where did that very? There's another very important story. Oh, Disney announces there's a Frozen two coming. Yay! It was important. Yay! I found that yesterday. That must make the show. Matt is really eager to see Frozen two. I loved. I loved Frozen. I loved Frozen. It's just the song. The movie has made $1.3 billion. Uh, thus, the Frozen 2. And that has nothing to do with the merchandise and everything else that was sold with the Frozen really, name on it. that's just the movie just made $1.2 billion. My child sleeps with a stuffed Olaf snowman. <laughs> See, that's cute. that's cute. And I love Disney. And I loved Frozen. I loved the movie. When I saw it, as even in my professional, you know, kind of coaching life, I thought, oh, that's fantastic. That's a great show. It's a great show. Breaking down, you know, issues and and concern and even maybe, you know, mental health issues and the ability to let stuff go. Loved it. Then the song. And I don't know if you've heard it, but the song gets played over and over. And over. Okay, knock it off. We're done. There's a new song, too. I sent you that. Oh, is there? I sent you an email yesterday. Give it up. Give it <laughs> there's, up. There's another song, sort of, that goes with a, an animated short mm. that is a frozen little five, six minute movie that's going to be in the front end of the new Cinderella live action movie that's coming out this weekend. Yeah. We'll have our movie guy A little short. Up. It's just a short. It's like six minutes. It's, a, it's like a, yeah. So they put a song in there and maybe that'll take off too. And that's really in order to push Cinderella. Right. And Frozen. And Frozen. Just to tease that way. Cool. Anything else? Uh, what? 18% of people can't resist the urge to text and drive. 
I can't resist the urge. Are you kidding? They just can't leave their phone alone. The new study out of uh, University of Southern California, they have a digital future oh, yeah. department. Oh, sure. They surveyed 904 drivers about their texting habits, found that 18% of drivers admit that they cannot resist the urge to read or send a text message while driving. 17% of 18 to 34-year-olds admitted they text and drive always <laughs> or often. Can't you hear the call to your sponsor? 7% of 35 to 54-year-olds admit the same thing. The, I can't resist the urge. The drivers, the drivers know what they're getting into, though. 87% of those surveyed said it's dangerous to text or read emails while driving. And, of course, the practice is banned in 44 states, yeah. though people do it all the time. You Whenever I'm driving down the road and you start seeing someone weave a little bit, yeah, you drive up next to them and they're looking oh, yeah, at their phone. Sure. <laughs> I think it would be so great to be like a highway patrolman that could just pull up next to them because I'll bet they'll resist the urge right then. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? I always pull up. Just look at them. Text them. That's crazy. We can resist the urge, folks. Let's do. do it to live. We're going to take a break, my friends. And when we come back, a uh, great guest coming up, Richard Paul Evans, New York Times bestselling author, 25 New York Times bestselling books, 17 million copies in circulation. And guess what? He's here to talk to us about his marriage. Just a really important lesson that he discovered as he was losing his marriage, it was it was on the edge. We're going to find out the one question that he asks to save himself and his marriage. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, one of the things I've spent a lot of my life doing is coaching and, and working with couples on their relationships, on their marriages. And I found some interesting uh, facts, I guess. Usually, the, the most successful people I know, usually the most talented, the most pretty, the most uh, gifted people I know don't always have the easiest marriages. They have very difficult marriages at times. So whether you're a professional athlete, a professional uh, you know, dancer, an author, just because you're famous and just because you're wealthy doesn't necessarily mean the marriage is going to work. And so I was reading one day, found a, a great article by Richard Paul Evans, and you may, I'm sure, have heard of him. Richard, uh, he had a number one bestseller called The Christmas Box. You may have heard that about that book. Since then, he's written more than 25 consecutive New York Times bestselling books. There are currently more than 17 million copies of his books in print, and four of his books have been produced into television movies. Uh, Richard Paul Evans is an author. He's a father. And uh, he's married, and he, was, he wrote an article that I read called How I Saved My Marriage. And I think uh, at first you're like, oh, well, that's sure arrogant. <laughs> but it's such a beautiful story because um, it's something that as a professional I see every day. And if I could get everybody to get this message that Richard's about to teach us, I think we'd all have happier, healthier marriages. So Richard Paul Evans, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show. Glad to be here. Thank you. Loved your article, and I, I loved your, your 
your candor, your willingness to let us in behind the curtain. Uh, you talk about you and your wife. How long have you been married, Richard? 30 years. 30 years. And But you were talking about the fact that it, you were struggling. There was a time a while ago where you and your wife were really, really struggling. Why don't you just teach us, talk about your story from there? Um, well, first of, first of all, the blog is it was an interesting thing because um, Carrie wasn't real happy that I posted that, it turns out. Oh, really? Oh, no. She goes, um, because I had no idea it was going to go viral. Yeah, you didn't know it was going to go big. And um, she's heard me give the talk in public uh, three times. She's been with me, so I, I had no reason to think that that she would be bothered by it. Um, but then by the time we we had more than 160,000 shares on Facebook, um, <laughs> and then her mom called her and said, they're talking about you on the news, Oh boy! about your marriage on the news, and then she started to get bothered oh, no. by it. So, so, but, but then she started hearing from people saying that, Oh. The blog had helped their marriage, yeah. and so she decided uh, that that was a very good thing, and so she's forgiven me for that. Well, it really—it's so—it it is, and, and so Carrie knows. I can't, as a as a professional, that I'm doing it every day. Your story is to me the most universal story. It's brilliant, and and that's why I think it's so applicable. So hopefully, well, it, Carrie will love well, you still. It, and and, and yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> um, the first years of our marriage were just really really rocky um i'm i'm you know i had just come home from a from a mormon mission i had um i felt this kind of pressure to get married we just um i had dated carrie before we left and we just it was just happened we were very young and and um then all of a sudden it's like okay here we are we're married and wow i really don't know you and we soon found that we didn't seem to have a lot in common and uh, we just we have very different backgrounds. I come from a family of all males. She's all female, mm. and uh, well, I think which which actually causes a dynamic. And and we fought all the time. And uh, I thought this would just work its way out, and it, and it didn't. It got worse, and um, it it started to become our pattern of how we lived, and um, it was pretty bad. Um, and and after years. Um, that blog starts out, my daughter Jenna said when she was older, she goes, you know, when I was little, my biggest fear is that you and mom were going to get divorced because you guys were always fighting. Mm. And then by the time I was 12 years old, I decided it would be better if you did get divorced. Oh. You'd be happier. Yeah. That's pretty sad. That is it? sad. And uh, so this went on for more, um, for more than a decade. And, and finally it just, and then, and then my first book took off and, and, um, all of a sudden, it's just getting tougher. You know, it's um, I'm going on book tour, and and it just it didn't make it it made it more difficult. So, so the money and the fame and the notoriety it didn't it didn't fix it. Well, it, well, it made it worse because now she's getting phone calls from people saying, "Oh, your husband's so great." Uh, she's seen yeah. his adulation, and 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 just the just from the level of, of sheer temptation. I mean, here I am at home. You know, I'd get home. I'd, you know, I'm on the Today Show. I'd get home, and it's like, take the garbage out. <laughs> you, you know, Do you know like, who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, it was um, almost like I, it, she made it her personal calling. She's like, I'm going to bring you back down to earth. You're not yeah. as great as great as everyone thinks you are. Um, it, it was, it was pretty sad. And so here I'm on the road. We're not, we don't have a good marriage. One time, someone asked me what it's like to be on book tour, and I said, Well, yeah, it's lonely. You sit in hotel rooms, and I had eight women 
asked to go home with me. Oh, my heavens. And it's like, okay, there's constant temptation. temptation. There's, there's um, it, it's not like you don't have alternatives constantly. And so here you are fighting. It's like, okay, I'm unhappy at home. There's temptation out here. And it, it, it was, it was just difficult. You know, it was just, it was just difficult trying to do, always doing the right thing and, and, and being miserable. And so temptation on the road and tension at home. It, bad, bad it, combination. Bad combination. And, um, you know, thankfully nothing ever, ever happened. Right. But, um, um, and then one day I was, I was on book tour and, um, we got one of our normal fights. I called home just to say hi. And, and, you know, we're both, the thing is, it's like, I love this woman. Yeah. I, I like this woman. It's like, why can't we get along? Why can't we just, we have a simple conversation and it just blows up and, and, uh, you're good people too. You're not like, I mean, you're two good people, and yet you still can't just. You weren't able to be good with each other. Yeah, I just it didn't make any sense. It's like I'm not. I'm a pretty easygoing guy in a sense. It's like I don't, you know, I'm not that demanding, and um, you know, she's. It's we just, you know, she's. We just had very different personalities, and they just didn't seem to click. And, hmm. And so um, we had just gone this fight, and I'm sitting in in the shower in in the uh, Ritz Carlton in Buckhead, Georgia, just outside Atlanta, and I just I just lose it, and I'm just angry, and I just I just started yelling at God. It's like this is so hard and so wrong. It's like marriage is supposed to be this sacred thing, and it just brings nothing but misery in my life. It's like. I like her. I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to be hurt by her. And we have children. And and um, and then I sat there and it's like, why can't she change? Why is she so demanding? Why is she so difficult? You know, I'm yeah. on, on her, 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 yeah, her, her, her. And um, and then I just broke down. I just, I just cried. And as I sat there in that moment, it was a true humility. Um, it came to me. You can't change her. You can only change yourself. Hmm. And I remember hearing a talk um, at the last conference. Someone had talked about they had prayed to have a new heart. And that just came to mind, and I, that's what I started doing. I started praying, then change me. Then change me. Because I, I am certainly flawed. Make, make me the change. What do I need to do? I don't know how to do it. I don't, I, my wiring's wrong. Change my wiring. Oh, neat. I mean, and, you worked uh, on you now. I mean, you, you, you had this shift where it was no longer about Carrie. Now you're like begging to change you. Yeah, yeah. it's like Carrie. Carrie is Carrie. Please, let's. I want to save this marriage. That's and what? What do I do? I'll do what, anything you ask. It's powerful. And um, and, and it was fa- well. In fact, and here's what I want to do. We're talking with Richard Paul Evans. New York Times bestselling author. He started with the Christmas box 25 books later, um, 25-time New York Times bestseller, which is, by the way, phenomenal. Never even heard of that happening before, Richard. That's amazing. We're going to take a break, come back, and Richard's going to tell us what this epiphany has done for him and how he actually acted it out. How do you take a thought like that, a change of thought where it's no longer about them and it's now about you. He's going to show us how he started to operationalize it daily in his marriage and how that changed the entire ballgame. We'll take a break. More with Richard Paul Evans right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We have an, a, a wonderful guest, Richard Paul Evans, uh, the author of so many incredible books, uh, New York Times bestselling author. You remember the Christmas book. Um, you also probably have seen some of the movies. A lot of his books, four of his books, have actually been turned into movies as well. And uh, he's he's won numerous awards but what we're asking him today is to teach us about his marriage. And he told us about his wife, Carrie, and uh, how they were struggling for years and um, forever. By the way, like most of us, we tend to think our problem is our partner. Because if they would just, you know, be normal or healthy or whatever, then we wouldn't have these problems. But he finally had this epiphany. And uh, the epiphany was simply, I need to change me. So he started his pleads to God changed from change her to change me. Richard Paul Evans, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Love uh, what you're teaching us and and how it can impact us. So then what did you do? So you, you had this change, your your perspective changed, your prayers changed. How did it, how did it actually come out in your day-to-day life? So what happened? I went home that night. I flew home and um, I got there and Carrie was cold. She wouldn't even say hi when I'd get home. I mean, yeah. just... It was it was that bad, so I get in bed and we're inches apart, but it feels like miles. And and then it hits me, um, what I need to do. And so the next morning, I I get up and I roll over and I just say to her, "How can I make your day better?" And she looks at me. She goes, "What? How can I make your day better?" She goes, "Why are you asking me that?" I said, "Because I want to know what I can do to make your day better." And, and so she. Mm. She, she's still angry. She goes, you want to do something? Go clean the kitchen. <laughs> I said, okay. And, you know, expect me to get mad. Or yeah. I said, I said, okay. And I get up and I, I go and I go clean the kitchen. And she was a little stunned. And so the next day I get up and, um, and the day kind of goes on. And, but, you know, there's not any fighting. She's just like, what are, what are you doing? And the next day, what can I do to make your day better? She's still angry. And she goes, go clean the garage. You know, she, and it's always about cleaning. And I had a I had a busy day, and it's like, well, it's it's about control, yeah, in many ways. And um, and I said, and I, I, you know, my temptation was to blow up. It's like I I have a very busy schedule, and like, okay, no, I'm 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 committed to this. I said, okay, so I get up, and two hours later, I clean the garage. And now she's not sure what to think. Yeah. So the next day, I get up. I go, what can I do to make your day better? She goes, nothing. Just stop saying that. Just don't don't say that anymore. <laughs> and, and I go, um, I'm sorry, but I made a commitment, um, and I'm not going to stop. I said, What can I do to make your day better? She goes, Why are you doing this? I said, Because I care about you, and I care about our marriage. Hmm. And um, it just—it's that simple. Yeah, she doesn't know how to answer that. So that so that. Um, the next morning, I same thing I ask, and the next day, and the next day, and during the second week, that's when the miracle hit. One morning, I ask um, Carrie, you know, what can I do to make your day better? And her eyes welled up with tears, huh. and she just broke down crying. And then when she could speak, she goes, please stop asking me that. She goes, you're not the problem. I'm the problem. I know I'm demanding. I'm hard to live with. I don't even know why you stay with me. Mm. And it all, there it is, you know, huh? it all comes out. Yeah. All of a sudden, she's using that. It comes out that what's hap- really happening here, and she's, and the fame just made it harder. It's like he's going to get a different option. He's going to leave me. I'm yeah. difficult, and and um, and and then, but she could always, 
And this is so universal. Seriously, Richard, I see this, and that's I call that the shift, the change. And and it, it, but you both had to have your shifts. So and what's cool is only one of you needed to shift at a time. So because you got yours in Atlanta, and then you had the character to stick to it, you facilitated her to have hers, and then together you could start to recover it. It's powerful. Yeah, it's it, isn't it on. Um, it, it's a horrible example, but Beauty and the Beast when it's like one yeah. person makes that little move. And, yeah. And so she asked, "Why why do you even stay with me?" And I said. Because I really do love you. What can I do to make your day better? And she said, I should be asking you that. And I said, yeah, yeah, you should. You should. But not right now. Because right now, I need to be the change. You need to know just how much you mean to me. And then she just climbed into me. And she just put her head against my chest. She goes, I'm sorry. I'm, I've been so mean to you. Hmm. And I said, I love you. And she said, I love you. And I said, what can I do to make your day better? <laughs> She goes, can we spend time together today? There you go. What a change. I said, I'd like that. And you know what? It, it changed. We, it was a breakthrough. And um, pretty soon she's saying, what do you need from me? How can I be a better wife? Please help me change. And that was it's true leadership. And, and in, in a Christ-like way, you see where Christ says, no, you become yeah. Where you you lower yourself to be the servant, you 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 go down to the hard places, and it was it was such a powerful lesson to me about relationships, and um, I you know I can't say we never fought again, cause right. that, that wouldn't be true, yeah, but it was like we had deprived them of oxygen. It wasn't the natural course of things; the fights became more and more rare, and pretty soon it's just like I just don't have it in me to hurt you. Well, it's almost and, like your problem was your. Both of you, your problem was your own sin, your your lack of serving and giving and loving kind of unconditionally. And you got the epiphany, and then you started doing it, and that changes your heart, and and it changed her heart, and then she got it. So it's almost like you really weren't even mad at each other. It's almost like you were mad at yourself for not being more loving or being more caring or being more service-oriented. Exactly. Yet we throw it on each other like, you're my problem. Exactly. And, you know, what? it's been amazing to watch because I, I look now and, and my marriage is is one of my greatest possessions. And hmm. I, I think, boy, the investment I have made here. And the thing is, what I discovered is I really do like her. Yeah. That I like this 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 girl, she, and that she's it's fun. And yeah, she is she is very different. And and there there could have been lower maintenance people I could have married, and right. and but it's like, but every everything that's hard also has a really upside. She's given us a tremendous life because she is very driven, and she's and um, she's a wonderful person. I'm so grateful to be married to her and. And now I'm just I'm to this point where I've become this homebody where I just want to be with her and, and um, <laughs> I miss her when she's gone and it's just or when I'm gone. Uh, in fact, I stopped touring. I finally said I just can't do it anymore. I, I'm sick of hit, sitting in hotel rooms and being alone. Yeah. And, like, and I'm looking forward to the day when she can travel with me. And, and um, it's it's what a shift and what a blessing. And I'm you know I, I you know I, I can't say this will work for every marriage. Um, and I, I know that there are marriages that probably shouldn't be saved. Um, yeah. But I am so grateful that, that that happened, that God intervened and taught me. And uh, that at the time that I, I mean, I, I guess in our extremities, I was so low and, and so aching that I was, I was willing to humble myself 
to do whatever it did. Yeah. And, um, well, and you elevated it. You didn't, you elevated the love. I mean, it was no longer about feeling it. It was, you just, you just had to earn it. So you kind of elevated it from a love where we just naturally yearn and everything's loving and easy because we just love each other to having to earn the love. You started earning it, working for it, giving charity. You didn't want to do the garage. But if you keep doing that, uh, it's, a, it's a higher love you've obtained. I, it is. You, you start to understand what real love is. And I, this, is what I wrote, this is what I wrote in my blog. I wrote, marriage is hard. But so was parenthood and keeping fit and writing books and everything else important and worthwhile in my life. Mm. To have a partner in life is a remarkable gift. I've also learned that the institution of marriage can help heal us of our most unlovable parts, and we all have unlovable parts. Wow. Through so time, true. I've learned that our experience was an illustration of a much larger lesson about marriage. The question everyone in a committed relationship should ask their significant other is, what can I do to make your life better? That is love. Romance novels, and I've written a few, are all about desire and happily ever after, but happily ever after doesn't come from desire, at least not the kind portrayed in most pulp romances. Real love is not to desire a person, but to truly desire their happiness, sometimes even at the expense of our own happiness. Hmm. Real love is not to make another person a carbon copy of oneself. It is to expand our own capabilities of tolerance and caring to actively seek another another's well-being. All else is simply a charade of self-interest. Oh, so true. So true. Is this uh, is this going to be a new book? You, you know, I'm actually incorporating it in my the book that comes out this fall. Um, because uh, just well, just the response. I, I it, the, this is a weird thing. I mean, I'm starting to hear. I'm. I've heard from from boyhood friends calling me. I had one who was a, a Mormon bishop in California. I haven't heard from in years, and he goes, "Wow, this blog." I've had three people send me the blog. I had someone come in and say, "I had six people from London contact me about this." I hear from all around the world. I was speaking in prison. I had three people come up and ask me about the blog. Wow! And last and two nights ago, I was speaking um, on my Michael Vay series, and. One guy came up and um, showed me, he goes, this is what's hit me the most of everything. And he showed me the blog. It was on his phone. He goes, powerful. <laughs> it changed my life. And then one woman at that night, she goes, my husband, for the last three weeks, every morning gets up and says, how can I make your day better? She goes, I am so happy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's so great. So is that book coming out in the fall? Is that the mistletoe promise? Um, that that was last year. So okay. This one, actually, I'm doing a mistletoe collection. So this will be called the Mistletoe Inn. Oh, neat. Yeah. Well, and again, if you to have Richard Paul Evans writing, I mean, whether in books or on the blog, just go to richardpaulevans.com. The the blog is right there, and th- there's so many other blog entries that are that are just as um, powerful. I feel. Well, Richard, we appreciate you, and we appreciate the lesson. You never can get enough of principles, right? And especially saving marriage, saving principles. We wish the best of luck to Richard Paul Evans and his wife, Carrie. And thanks, Carrie, for letting Richard tell the story. It's always hard, I know, uh, to be married to somebody that's always talking about your life. But the rest of us are going to benefit. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, uh, we want to get into some of the, um, how do we say this, the media. We want to talk about movies and some of the upcoming movies that will be coming out. Up next, right here on The Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, friends. That's the hoedown music as we're wrapping up this hour of the show. And, uh, man, love that interview with Richard Paul Evans. What a great, just a basic question you can ask. What can I do today? You know, what can I do for you today that could make your day better? Such a powerful question. We were joking in the studio about how many times that's not what we're saying. We're more saying, hey, so this is what I need you to do for me today. More of a statement. Anyway, simple, basic question. On the line, though, uh, we want to switch to parentpreviews.com. Uh, we, we love Rod Gustafson, who comes on the show. He is a film critic that specializes in reviewing movies and media from a, from a parent's perspective. So that as parents, we know what we could take our kids to, what we should be watching out for. And today he's here to do a few movie reviews with us and also uh, some DVD releases that are coming out and to, to kind of walk us through what we should pay attention to. Rod, welcome to the show again. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm, do- I'm doing fine. You were just mentioning about a previous interview and, and about what, what can you do to make your day better. Yeah. I have a movie for once, Matt, that will what? make your day better. Excellent. I don't have many of these. Yeah. This, this is a big moment. What, what's this the movie? This is a big moment. This is Cinderella, believe it or not. And, okay, Matt, a movie reviewer should never admit this, but we all go into movies with biases. Yeah. I never really liked that old Disney Cinderella no. animation. Me, right. I mean, yeah, I, did. I kind of found it boring and kind of <laughs> stupid. But <laughs> so I mean, I how does a woman so walk in glass slippers? Yeah, exactly. Come on. So, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up, Matt. There is a great little, there's a little moment of tongue-in-cheek humor uh, with the glass slippers in this movie. I was so amazed at what Disney did with this film. They managed to take a um, a story that all of us know so well. And so you think, well, there's not going to be any surprises in this. They've really reworked it beautifully. And I say beautifully because, first of all, visually, this thing is incredible. Hmm. But the other thing I really like about it is that there are positive role models in this film that you will want your sons and daughters to emulate, and we get very few of those. Oh, this that's is a great. movie that has well, it has great, um, great examples of forgiveness and great examples of being able to make the best of a very bad situation. And of course, Cinderella's situation was very bad. You bet. But uh, yeah, this is the type of film where parents, I think, will be very happy to have their children mimicking the heroes that they see on the screen. Plus, it's, it's Disney, right? So it's safe, and then, you know, they'll, they'll refresh one of the rides at Disneyland. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm sure they will. Well, and you know, Disney's usually safe, but sometimes, though, we can still, you know, it, we, at Parent Previews, we like to look in even deeper into what are the messages in some of these films. And some of these movies, you know, the one, The Poor Little Mermaid, I keep on going back to her, but, you know, Sometimes we find themes of selfishness instead of selflessness. Mm. And um, and in this movie, this is about being selfless. This is just some really good things. It's got a it's it's just it's got a great musical score. It's as I say, the visuals are wonderful. The performances are amazing. And uh, it really is written in a way that is going to keep adults interested. And the other thing I loved about it is, of course, we know she's going to win the prince at right. the end of the film. Yeah. But I have seen so many romances lately where I keep saying they missed the chemistry. They didn't get, you know how at the end of a romance, 
everybody in the audience should just be dying to see these two people come together. Right. That actually works in this movie, and we even know the ending, so it's just really well made. Oh, this is great. I mean, I, I, I was worried because I, I saw it, not worried, but I'm thinking, and I had seen somebody say, you know, seven reasons I won't watch Cinderella. But yeah. in the end... Um, to me, to know that I have somewhere that I can take my kids and, and let them see something, and that's one reason I, I really appreciate your reviews, because uh, it's not always safe, right? Like you're saying, well, one of the things I am hearing a lot about, though, is at, in the beginning of this movie, there is a short that they've done on Frozen Frozen Fever. Talk about that. Well, Frozen Fever, you know, it's interesting because... Uh, they so badly want to keep Frozen alive and well. And did you hear the news yesterday? What? It's funny. Well, just a week ago, uh, Frozen's creators were saying, oh, there's no way, you know, we don't even know when a sequel is going oh, to happen yeah. or what's going to happen. And so I wrote a story about that. And two hours later, the, in- the email comes into my inbox from the Disney PR people saying <laughs> they've announced Frozen 2. So Frozen 2 is on its way. And the whole point of Frozen Fever, which is this little seven-and-a-half-minute short that is running before Cinderella, of course, is to keep the audiences warmed up to Frozen. <laughs> and uh, and so Frozen Fever, it's, it's a cute little thing. It's, you know, what, basically what is happening is Elsa is really wanting to, uh, wanting to throw a wonderful birthday for Anna because she's missed a lot of her birthdays right. all those years when she was locked up in her bedroom. And so she wants to throw a birthday party. The most unusual thing about this little seven-minute feature, though, is that Elsa gets a cold. And every time she sneezes, are you ready for this, yeah. Matt? Every time she sneezes, little miniature snowmen come out of her nose. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, and I'm a very visual person, Rod, but that yes. just, uh, that just, okay, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that the internet is going to have a wonderful time. Oh, they'll love these, it. I mean, uh, and kids will love yeah, that. Yeah. Is this, yeah, I guess, yeah, is this yeah, the future that we're going to start having kind of features or featurettes that'll be, you know, previewing like this? Well, actually, in some ways, you know, we're going back in time because, of yeah. course, Back when I was a young little Me boy, too. We, we, yeah, we, there used to be a cartoon in front of your movie right. and Pixar. And, you know, this is John Lasseter. This is John's influence on Disney because, of course, John, he's one of the Pixar pioneers. And Pixar has been doing this with all of their features where they'll create a little short to put in front of the movie. And uh, so it, this just is That's John great. Lasseter written all over it. Yeah. So, so we can go to the theaters or we have some new releases coming out or re- releases coming out on DVD. What are some of those we should be watching for? Yeah, some interesting stuff on DVD. Um, Night at the, at the Museum, The Secret of the Tomb, is right now, like, the way this story glo- goes is they're closing up the museum where this has been based in, in the United States. And everybody is speculating, is there really, is there going to be another sequel? The way the movie ends is they're all off to Britain. The real reason to rent this movie, though, is to see Robin Williams' hmm. last performance. And it's very touching because there is a goodbye scene at the end of this movie. And, uh, you know, had it not been for Robin's untimely death, this would have just been another, you know, another kind of family-oriented movie that would have just gone unnoticed. But uh, if you do want to see Robin in a final performance, that is out on home video this week. The other film that has re-re-re-released on in high-definition restoration formats and whatnot is The Sound of Music. 
I took a look at this last week, and wow, you know the the Blu-ray release is just phenomenal. Mm. If you have if you've got a larger screen or a projection system in your home, especially, it just it's amazing. I swear the film didn't look that good when it was yeah. first running in theaters back in the 1960s. So they cleaned it up, and 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 I mean, I bet the music's been you know. Worked and amped. Oh, yeah, and... yeah, it sounds. Now, what's interesting about The Sound of Music, it was one of the very first movies that was mastered in a in a six-track kind of surround sound thing and that type of thing. And so, they, of course, they, they've dug up all of the old archival uh, recordings and whatnot and put them together and re-enhanced them and everything else for, for this release. And, yeah, it really is a remarkable release. So it's 50 years old now, The Sound of Music, and wow. so that's what the big deal is, 50th anniversary. And, uh, yeah, really, uh, I mean, The Sound of Music is The Sound of Music. Either you, either you love it or you hate it, but it really is a classic, um, it really is a classic, classic film, and definitely director Robert Wise's biggest work. I think Julie Andrews as well, you know, when you look at everything else that Julie did after that point, and even to a degree Christopher Plummer, this really was the epitome of their careers, and the the pinnacle, I guess would be the better term, the pinnacle of their careers, and uh, a really beautiful movie, though, to watch in high definition. It's uh, it's it's interesting too, and, and and you almost appreciate the sound of music when you when you have somebody, for example, like Robin Williams that you lose in you know in in kind of a prime of their of their work, mm-hmm. yeah. um, then you see these these long enduring uh, actresses like Julie Andrews and the Sound of Music. There's there's something powerful I think uh, in the end for all of us. I mean that that is for me my childhood is the sound of music because I had a sister yeah. that would sing it. She'd grab a empty guitar case, twirl it around the house, <laughs> skip through the house. To this day, she still sings it. I mean, it's like it, it's it's my childhood. As is uh, Robin Williams for uh, some of my More. life and some of my children's yeah. life. It's powerful. Yes, yeah. These yeah, movies yeah, play really a bigger is. part than we think, don't they? Yeah, they really do, and I and I think for um, I I don't want to guess how old you are, Matt, but you know, forty five. I was a, okay. Well, there you go. So you're kind <laughs> you of in my neighborhood. Guess. Yeah, yeah, you're in my neighborhood. You're you're a little more in the suburbs, but you're in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Good. But you know, when when I was young, yeah, you got to see these movies once, and now of course kids can watch them over, over and over because they really are becoming part of their culture in a big way. They are, Rod. We appreciate you and and the great work you're doing there at ParentPreviews.com. Everybody, go to the website ParentPreviews.com. More information about how to you know make proper choices and understand. What's going on in some of these movies so that you can coach your family a little bit better on the media choices? We'll take a break. Wrap up hour number two of the Matt Townsend Show. Next hour, we're going to come back with Hadge. Heather Ann Johnson is going to be teaching us about how to create healthier families uh, that are more unified. That's up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, your coach, your guide on the side, your personal life coach. Welcome to the program. One hour 
of bliss and interest, interesting topics to help you find your good life. On this program, we want to give you the tools to make sure that you can get ahead. Life's not easy. There's just a lot of stuff. We also want to keep you informed because we know a good education goes a very long way. What do we say about education again, James? We have that quote we use a lot. Yeah. Uh, get educated. Ed- get educated. Or get, or get even. Even. Get educated or get even. Yep. What does that mean? Think about it. <laughs> you know, it, it seems obvious. Okay. I'll have to think about that later then. Anyway. Seems any, like a, <laughs> a deep thought that is just escaping me at the have moment. Have you ever noticed some thoughts are so deep, they seem stupid? <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, that's totally weird. Yeah. That's an example of one. Get educated or get even? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good T-shirt, bumper sticker type yeah. comment. <laughs> It'll make people think, that's for sure. It's like, it's like go get education. Do you share that in your couple's counseling? No, nah, that's a new one. That's a new quote. I, that's why I asked James, what is it? And then James, he's always slow to answer. Have you noticed that? He's a little behind. It's okay. We don't try to point those sort of things out. Yeah. I guess I just did. Yeah. My bad. I tried to cover it up there, but that's fine. <laughs> it's pretty common. You're throwing me under the bus. Just so. everybody pretend like that didn't happen. Okay. Get education or get even, Stephen. It sounds even better when you add Stephen to I it. think that's cuter. That's kind of something my mom would say. Get even, Stephen. Have you ever been to Rome? No. Never been to Rome. Do you want to go to Rome? Yes. We learned earlier this week that it's illegal to uh, yeah. scratch your initials into the Colosseum. Johnny loves Stacy. Don't do that. <laughs> don't take a selfie with it. Yeah, don't do that. And that was, then yeah. don't afterwards ask like act like you didn't know what was going on, That's even right. though there's signs posted all around the whole area. Yeah. And don't say, when in Rome, do as the Romans. Yeah. They don't, don't say that. They don't like that. So what's going on in Rome? The Vatican, which yeah. isn't Rome. No. It's its own... It's its own country. Little city within the area of Pueblo. Rome. They revealed that it has received a ransom demand from a former employee for 100,000 euros for the return of two rare documents by Michelangelo stolen 20 years ago. Really? If you ever want to see this document, did they know that they were stolen? They'd never acknowledged it, but yes. The car- a cardinal in charge of St. Peter's uh, Basilica had yeah. recently been contacted by the person offering the ransom, but the cardinal naturally refused because these are stolen documents. According to a Vatican spokesman, a nun in the Vatican archives notified officials in 1997 that the documents had gone missing. No details about the documents were disclosed except that one had the artist's signature. Wow. You can't start this. You start paying. I mean, how many people have stolen things from the Vatican? This could go on forever. You think? Yeah. They've got a lot of amazing stuff. So I guess, but you want your stuff back. I think they're going to catch the guy. My no. vote My vote is that we just catch him. Just catch him? Don't, don't pay the ransom. Hire, uh, hire a spy. Hire Clouseau. The, the Pink Panther? Yes. Detective? Yes. Really? He's the best guy for this job? Yes. Okay, go ahead. And let him solve the problem. This is a cat caper. Okay, I can see where you're going you with, with that. Are you with me? Yeah. The problem here is if he's using a private server, like a personal server. That's a great point. That's right. What do you do in that situation? That's a great point. What happens when they're using a private server? VaticanThief.com. <laughs> I think we're mixing our stories. Oh, okay. So, Sorry. James, sometimes don't bring in another story while we're still on a story. 
Oh, uh, all right. Though that would complicate things if he had a personal server because we can't get you know Secretary of State emails from a personal server. We found that out. That's right. How come people can get you know so priceless you yeah. Michelangelo documents out of the Vatican, but we can't find Madam Clinton's emails? Emails. Or at least enough that everyone's happy question. with it. You know, a lot, a lot of times on the show we don't have answers. Just lots yeah, of Yeah, these are just rhetorical questions. Just to get them you out thinking. There. Yep. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but it's been cold and snowy across yeah. much of the country. I've heard that. Not here. No. Not in the western half of the United States. Yeah, but no. the east is pretty buried. We're, we are in a drought, a potential drought. That, of course, we don't really think of Canada when we think of, well, anything. We don't, but... I mean, we think of them as our great big our, our brother, our fellow country, right? That's that's kind of watching over us. Edmonton, Alberta, yeah, averages below freezing temperatures from August to April. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you think it's kind of rough during the winter time here in the U.S., it's but freezing up there. It's freezing up there. Some locals have decided it's time to make winter work for them. City officials have latched onto an idea by a landscape architecture student who suggested. An approximately seven-mile freezeway. Mm, a freezeway. Essentially, it's a highway to be used by commuters and other on ice skates. Oh, fun. So just down the side of the roads. Yeah. Right. They say it would promote winter programming, active lifestyles, sustainable forms of transportation, and social activity. I so think, instead yeah. of bike lanes, you have freezeways and you can skate to work. Uh, I think don't they have like in Boston they just call that like State Street don't yeah. they like just that's just main that's the main street it's that's I think that would be cool don't they have that in other countries though like like I believe so Finland Sweden somewhere don't they have yeah you can skate to work so that that's an interesting it's great way of uh, I guess instead of carpooling. No, trying no. to save on gas and save on resources. That way you can skate to work. You just get a skate group and you just skate. Hold to on work. to each other's hips. <laughs> yeah. Or not. It's like the it's like the Olympic skaters, the doubles. The creative the doubles. Wouldn't it be more efficient if it was more like speed skating? Well, yeah, but you you also want to enjoy your your commute. So you want to do like pirouettes and stuff? You don't have to do way to work. But it's kind of just more like you skate as a team. You know what? It's kind of, it's really more like uh curling. Okay. Well, you know it could I mean? turn into that if I skated. Yes, absolutely. And someone's going to have to brush it and yeah. That I I think that's really cool. I mean, I would enjoy going to work that way. You would support that measure? I totally would. In fact, James make a note. Okay. Uh let's get a skateway. Mhm. A freezeway, I think we're going to call it. Freezeway. Yes. Freezeways. To my house. Okay. From BYU Broadcasting. Do you want me to also make note of the uh, the silicon suit that you need to buy for yes. your? Yes. Uh, okay. uh, get fitted for silicon. Okay. S- silicon suit. Okay. Speed suit. Uh huh. And the funny uh, elongated helmet that's aerodynamic. Yeah. I want the whole getup. Uh, and by the way, make a note. Uh, check with upstairs. Okay. Uh, ask Derek, Marquis, mm-hmm. if it's okay if um, they pay for that. Okay, BYU pay for silicon. Uh, by the way, and then just sign it. Talent. <laughs> Done. But this came from the talent. Yeah. <laughs> That'll work. That always works. Yeah, they love it upstairs when you send something signed. Talent. That's, that's going to get me in trouble. James, you, don't have, really send that. Have you heard of the group of upstate New York towns looking to secede possibly to Pennsylvania? Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, they're out of there. But so, why? I can't remember the reason. So the group of town officials stung by a recent decision to ban natural grass, natural gas yeah. fracking. Fracking. They've raised the idea of redrawing the borders and seceding to Pennsylvania, even though they don't expect it to happen. Members of the Upstate New York Towns Association hopes the specter of secession will result in something good for this struggling yeah. part of the yeah. country. Yeah. No, you know what? This reminds me of that quote, James. The quote we use all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we know frack. We know frack. We know we come know back. back. Yep. So maybe part frack. of New York will uh, secede to Pennsylvania. Come to Utah. I doubt it. We got an open desert. Lots of room. Lots of room. We've got lots of salt, too, for the freezeway. And and I say data centers. And data centers. Right. I say. (laughs) We've got it all. Hey, we're going to take a break, my friends. Come back. Got a great show for you. More ideas. Again, more tools to help you find the good life and create the good life. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We have got one of our favorite contributors on Earth. We call her Hadge. Heather Ann Johnson's her name. But she reminds us so much of Madge from the 60s. You're soaking in it. (laughs) You're soaking in it. Hadge, because every time she comes, she's got so much information, we just soak in it. She is uh, the founder and landlady of FamilyVolley.com. Landlady. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> Landlady of FamilyVolley.com, which is her website. She is uh, on faculty here. She has a master's degree and is on faculty at Brigham Young University as um, in teaching basically how to have – how to keep your family active, how to – she's an expert in human development. We, yeah, we worry about the, the theories behind successful families. Which is – Smart, which is good stuff. That's why we have you on the show. If you want, if you want a strong family, it's a good place to start. Well, and you're also a great example because you have a strong family. We have a family. We're working on being strong, right? Every day. Yes. 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 And a website, familyvolley.com, and she has a book. Um, what's the name of the book again? Family Fun Fridays. Family Fun Fridays. And what do we always say about that? We always say that there are more. There's more coming. Family Fun Mondays, Tuesdays, Mon- Wednesdays. Yes, right through. And then and then again, Family Fun Sundays, which is the day of rest. It's our rest day. You're stretching. I think we added yoga to that day, didn't we? Yeah, we did. For your hammies yoga in stretch. particular. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, that hammies joke, kind of rude, but <laughs> totally true. Um, one time we were on television together and. They asked us to do some activity. Actually, no, they didn't. Heather. I asked you to do something. Very doable. Very doable, sure, if you are a gymnast. Yeah. Yeah. And I pulled my hammies. Both hammies. By the way, I didn't even know I had two hammies. I pulled both of them, Heather. Which is amazing with the little bit of participation you gave us that day. Such a small amount to pull both hammies. Well, what do you mean little? That segment was like seven minutes. And you made me like bend over and pick up a bag with my mouth, but you didn't tell me I could bend my knees. Right. It's okay, though, because it has inspired <sighs> our family fun Sundays, which is a day of rest. So it's an honor of you. It's good. There you go. Okay. We appreciate that. In we didn't know commemoration we need, of my hammies. We didn't know we needed that volume yeah. until we had that now experience. You know. now See we how know. easy this is? Now we know. Heather Ann Johnson. Now, here's the deal. Uh, we've been talking about relationships in the earlier hours, and one of the things you are an expert 
on, and you know, a lot of people hate to be called an expert. I like to call people experts or gurus. Okay. You are our family activity guru, and we asked you to basically teach us how to create a unified family. Sure. Right? That's because we have kids going all these different directions, you know, games. They're on teams. Mm-hmm. They they eventually, when they're older, the teens will get girlfriends. So that's a whole different direction. They're going everywhere. I want you to teach us how do we unify the family? Well, and going back to the team idea, it's a really fun one because most of us can relate to that, yeah. whether we were on a team of some sort. And that doesn't mean sports. You know, we hear team right. and we um, right. automatically think, oh, baseball, basketball, football. It can be any sort of team. And a family follows that exact same pattern. It yeah. really does. So there's a number of different things we can do. We'll kind of tie them back into our, you know, team sports lingo a little. But one of the first things we have to do is we have to accept the fact that in families we're going to be different. Yeah. Now, when we look at a team, think about one you've been on, whether it was in band and so, you know, you had a team there or it was on a field or sports or a court. When we look at different individuals, we have strengths and weaknesses, right? right? And in a family setting, we have to say, okay, this is a weakness. Let's compensate. And this is a strength. Let's celebrate it. And we don't do that too often because we're so tight knit. We're around Mm -hmm. each other. You know, we're around each other all day. There's that joke that we usually treat our families worse than our friends. It's so right? true. Which is so sad. That is sad. We love them and we don't even know the stranger who we That's were right. just really kind to. But we, yeah, we're always playing up to them. Always. And so we have to understand that there will be differences and right off the bat say, and that is okay. Almost mm-hmm. a celebration. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, the way we can work through that is by showing respect. Yeah. Now, we've talked about. You and I have talked about respect before, but respect is this idea that we don't try to directly or indirectly change anyone. Right. See, that's a problem. I know. Oh, little Timmy. I know. And we don't like what little Timmy yeah. does. He's right? got to figure this out he or does. he's never going to amount to anything. It's exactly right. And we we unfortunately think those things and then we say yeah, those exactly. things. Yeah, exactly. So and rude. so even if we're not – uh, directly doing it when we think those things, then indirectly, especially as parents, we we turn situations into manipulation mm-hmm. to try and get little Timmy to change. And so we have to let that go and we have to truly respect our spouse and our children for just who they are. Yeah. As soon as we can do that, the unity skyrockets. We all of a sudden can start to gel, like our coaches used to say in high school, as this team. Yeah, we're right? gelling. It's we happening. It's, it's exactly right. Yeah. So we've got to accept one another. Now, once we do that and we've got the respect, Good teams, successful teams have a common goal. Now, in your family, call it what you want. Our family wants to win, which looks a lot of different ways to us, right? Mm -hmm. But winning are these common goals we have and we have to share them. Now, you can't decide how you're going to reach those goals unless you discuss it. Yeah, so most people don't do any of this. We just ever eat dinner and then we and then we yell and they go to bed. It's exactly right. We get so caught up in what is happening every single day that we neglect to say, "Wait a second, where are we going in all this?" Right? right? And it can be really hard. I know for me as a mother with five kids at home, the day today is right now. Someone needs a drink right now. Someone <laughs> needs clean underwear so right tr- like, now. Seriously, I cannot right. go to work. <laughs> and so. Yeah. It's hard to then step back and say, wait a second, what does this big picture look like? Where are we headed? Now, a word we like to use and that I like to teach my students is the word intentional. And so when it comes to being a unified team or a unified family, we have to have these goals and we have to do it by being intentional. Now, here's the difference. An intentional family has a very working plan. 
which means instead of letting entropy or this natural disintegration take over, they sit down in a number of different ways and times and say, here are our goals. How are we going to actually get ourselves to that goal? Right. Now, students always tease me and say, okay, so are you saying the day I get married, you know, I have to have this life plan that never <laughs> changes? Heavens no, no. It will change a million times, but you can put yourself on a path that is so wide, governed by your values, and know that you're going to bounce around down that same path forever. And, and, and it's not permanent. It, it can adjust it and can it'll adjust. change. But it's just – it's almost – I guess that's the word intentional. It's intentional. You're choosing. You're, yeah. you're saying I'm going to lead this ship. Right. It's exactly right. And the ship one is a really good analogy because if you think about it, even smaller, put your family in a canoe. Yeah. Right? If you're in that canoe and you do nothing, then you will go purely where the winds and where the currents take you. Yeah. And that's going to be beached on the side or flipped upside down, drowning, who knows where. So you right? really have to say – you almost have to – you have to be intentional saying – I want unity in our family. I want closeness in our family. I want us to be a team. Otherwise, you're just going to get sucked or pushed to whatever is the biggest pull. It's exactly right. And we even have to take it a step further and not just say, I want unity. I want unity and this is how we're going to achieve it. Interesting. And so the plan is very specific. Now, it could start out that your plan just says, I want unity. And so every Saturday from 10 to 12 is family time. And maybe that's the best you've got right now. Great, great. It's a start. Maybe right. you don't know what you're going to do or where you're going to do it or what that looks like, but start somewhere and get as specific, literally down to the minute as you can. And then you'll see, see things start to fill in the gaps as you go, yeah. which will continue again to, to benefit that unity that you're looking for. Because again, without the goal or the specifics, you're still just, you just have a, it's kind of, now your canoe has a flag. Right. But you're still just floating. It's almost like one oar, right? Yeah. We're just going to keep going in circles because we can say all day, you know, I can say all day, I want this to be my goal or that. But if I don't go further and say, this is how that goal will be achieved, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get there as an individual or as a family. But is it, why is it that we don't, I mean, that seems like, duh, for sure. You got to, but why don't we do it? Well, in family settings, there's two really big drains that hurt us. The first big drain is the time we spend outside our homes. Now, as basic as this sounds, in our family setting, we spend so much time away from the house that we don't allow any time to actually be together, right? And our time research shows us that the number one place families do interact is at home. So if I've got all five of our kids doing all different things all day and my husband's at work and I'm running around – well, there's yeah. not even a logical way for us to become unified right. because we're so individual. You're not like working. That In business, they always say you're spending too much time working that you don't work on the business. It's exactly right. So you're not, you're not growing. You're not changing anything. You just keep having to work. Right. And if you take the word business out and put family in, you've, the, the analogy That's is exactly so the same. Real. It's exactly the same. Yeah. The other major drain that we run into is the technology in our home. Ugh. And so when you ask the question, wait a second, this is a no-brainer. Why don't we do it? Yeah. It's because right in front of us, we have technology. Now, here's what happens. There's a false front. And we use that term again when we talk in a little bit. But a false front refers to the fact that we're all in the same house, But wait a second. I'm with my husband and kids every night, right? Right, We're all home. But the fact is we're home and somebody's on the TV or watching TV and somebody's on their phone and somebody's doing this. And technology takes us away even though we're together. It seems like we're together but just in proximity. It's exactly right. But not in And so we trick ourselves. We think, but wait. We're always, we're always together. Every day we find time to be together. Yeah. But understand together is when we communicate, 
when we increase our cohesion and when we grow. That's together. Yeah. And that is very different than what we're actually doing in our homes every and day. And that interesting. That kind of goes back to that intentionality. You, right. you, if you're not intentionally together. Right. And present. Right. In the space, then you're it's you're yeah, you're not going to get traction. You will and you're actually then really not together at mm-hmm. all, right? It's just a parallel yeah. situation. So the other thing with becoming a team or becoming unified, good teams, think about some you've been on, they practice. Oh yeah. They practice a lot, a lot. Right? I think about winning teams I've been on or winning groups I've been with, you know, in graduate school when we had to present or do yeah. whatever. The reason we were good is because we practiced. We practiced a lot and we did so it true. every day. Yeah. So it wasn't something, you know, in high school I think about the tennis team I was on and it wasn't, hey, you guys we're going to be good. We're just going to practice once a week. No. It was you're going to be here every day for 6 hours we're, and we're going to do this. And thing. we're going to do this thing. Good families practice. Okay, let's do this. Let's come back. I want you to teach us what we're supposed to practice. Okay. Because I wouldn't even know how to hold a family practice. Right. And where to start. So we'll talk about it. Practicing as a family, folks. Do you want a unified team family? Do you want your family to be together? If so, stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll come back more with Hatch Heather Johnson from FamilyVolley.com right here on BYU Radio. everybody to the Matt Townsend show in the house is our resident uh, family guru Hadge we call her Heather Ann Johnson we call her Hadge because you're soaking in it (laughs) you're soaking in it Heather Ann Johnson uh, is a professor here at BYU uh, and she is an expert in family and how to create a more active family so we're healthier happier and able to uh, produce the results we need in life Today she's teaching us about how to create a more unified, like a team, how to feel like a team and make our families cohesive together. Some of the rules she's already taught us is we've got to accept one another. We've got to have common goals. We've got to be intentional. And before the break, you started telling us we've got to practice. We do. We have to practice. How do you practice as a family? Well, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to set aside time. Uh, See, that's what we don't do, do we? We We don't. don't. We don't. But here's what's funny. And we make jokes about it. But we set aside time to go to the dentist. And we set aside time to hang out with our girlfriends or, you know, to go shoot hoops with the guys after work. We set aside those that time. But we don't look at our calendars and say, this time is our family time. And so somewhere along the line, we've let society tell us that all these other things are more important than the people we've committed to forever. And once we get in that mindset, it's really hard to pull back. And so we want to make sure first and foremost that we're finding time to be together. Now, here's where where it gets tricky and why the word practice is so key. Think about when you practiced with a team either now or earlier in your life, when that's happened for you. Practice is when we do what? We work out the kinks. Right. 
We work on we our try game everything. plan. We do. Yeah. We see what makes us more successful. We see what, I don't know, I immediately think of basketball practices, which used to go forever. <laughs> and we would run the same drill over and yeah. over and over. And we'd switch out people and we'd go from point guard to, you know, under the back. We'd do all these things until we got it right. And that's what practicing yeah. does. It lets our family fight together and laugh together and play together and work together cool. and work out all those kinks. Now, the reason we need it is because then we've got the rest of the day and the rest of our lives where we've got to function with one another. Yeah. Work it out there. Figure out how your family functions so that all those other times just become well, better. If in practice is where I not only know, I know what's going on, but I can now trust that everyone else knows. That's exactly right. So you're on the so same page. So then we page. can do it. Yeah. You're back to your goals. It's a game plan mm-hmm. and that's where you practice it. Now, oftentimes people then say to me, okay, wait a second. That's great. I've set aside the time, but how do I know what to practice yeah. or where to go yeah. with that? Well, the first thing to understand is as families, we tend to practice parallel activities. A parallel activity are those things that we do together, but there's little to no interaction or communication. Hmm. So if I were, you know, I always ask my students, what immediately comes to mind when I say that? And they all chant television. Yeah, exactly. Right? Television. And so again, we're back to that word false front, which really fills our family life if we're not intentional. We have this thought, wait, we're together every Friday. We watch a movie with popcorn every Friday, right? right? But the fact is all you've actually done, unless you're all cinematography majors, is sit in the same room, look at the same television with your hands in the same bowl, right? Totally. That television show or that movie, as great as it is, and there's room for it in our families. Absolutely, there's room. But if it's the primary way our families practice or spend time together, we're not providing any sort of opportunity where we have to problem solve, right. communicate, or, or work Relate, things out. deal Nothing. with each other. And if you go back to even you know our boat where we started with our canoes and being intentional, think about this. Put your family in a canoe for two hours or put them in front of a television for two hours, right? right? In front of a TV, there will be no need to do anything but possibly pause because someone has to go to the bathroom. (laughs) There's really nothing happening. Change that up and put yourselves in that canoe instead and think about having to work together to not flip over, to not go in circles, to communicate when dad's being bossy or your brother keeps – Row on the left side. (laughs) Row on the left side. Faster, fast, whatever it might be. And so when you look at different types of activities, we can see – When we practice, it's not about just the time. It's about making sure we're practicing the right things. Now, those right things are that canoe example. Those are called joint activities. Joint activities are things that force us, force, we're going to use it in a kind way, to communicate and work together to problem solve. The canoe is going to do it. Even a walk around the block is going to give you more opportunities as a a couple or a family than if you're watching. Well, you're coordinating. It's almost like. It's kind of like you, you can't learn to balance sitting on a chair watching it on YouTube. Sure, sure. You have to learn to balance by getting up, feeling the tension going left, pulling yourself to the right. It's exactly right. It's, it's, you, need, you need like real-time dynamic. We do, and we have to have real experiences. So we want to put aside that idea and that false front that when we're practicing, it can be those parallel things. That's great. We really want to seek out those joint. Now, again, I always get the question that comes back to me from families. Okay, Heather, but that means I can never watch another movie. Or so you're saying never... I can't watch TV? It's exactly right. right. No, that's not what we're saying. We need all of it. We need things that we do by ourselves. We need things we do that are simply in front of a TV. We need that. But mostly we need joint. So if you're looking at 10 things you're going to do with your family, 
you know, make six or seven yeah. of them joint and then let parallel and individual fill in the rest of the Isn't gaps. Isn't that Because is it quality time or quantity time? Right. And we make it an argument like that, but most of us aren't even thinking about is it a parallel activity or is right. it a joint activity where we're actually Where we're learning? actually interacting yeah. with another, right? And so think it to yourself when we're thinking, okay, our, our team, our family yeah. team needs to unify our practice. Think not just about we need time on Saturday to do it. Think very specifically about what it is you're going to do. Yeah. And that will change everything about that practice time just like it did on the basketball court or you know, when you were in band. It will change those It things. seems like even if you didn't have a ton of time – but you took the time you do have and you turned 70% of your activities into joint instead of just parallel. Monumental. They would change everything. Right. And unfortunately, when we have little time or a lot, yeah. our default is always parallel. television. Yeah. It's always te- – we just – we've only got an hour. Let's watch a show. Or the kids do the homework and I work on my computer. Right. It's exactly Which, right. So it's still parallel. We're not – you're not Engaging. interacting. It's exactly right. I, I actually, last night I listened to my wife help my son with homework, and I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm glad you've been doing when that. When do we for do that? <laughs> I'm you didn't even know she did that every no, night, I did you? I, that's like, what a great wife and mother. <laughs> it was good you clued in there so, for those ten seconds. To... <laughs> I'm a clueless wreck. <laughs> okay, so other things about a team: good teammates don't badmouth one another. That's right. They don't. No smack talk. No smack talk. So about our families, if we want to be unified. We have to know 110% that we've got each other's back. That means I don't go to my girlfriends and badmouth my husband. Right. We don't go to our other friends when we're out with them and badmouth our daughter because she's whatever or maybe. Exactly. You don't do that. And good teams don't. And so we often don't think about that as something that's so unifying in a family. Right. You know, we think, oh, I'm not going to say anything bad about my friend. Yeah. But we have to realize the things we say outside of our home, that builds or destroys trust in our home. Oh, and it tells everybody. I it mean, does. like they don't know. Like he's bad-mouthing right. his daughter. It's exactly right. right. Or even if our girlfriends resonate with us and say, oh, my husband too, we've just really killed the trust in yeah. our relationship. Families are a very intimate place. The reason families work is because we know it's where we can go and be safe. We can be ourselves, which means we can be lousy or we can be great right. and the people around us still love us. So, so no bad-mouthing. Good teams no. don't do that. What's the no rule? we got about two minutes. What's another rule? You know what? One that I really love is a family that wants to become a team or unify, they watch film. They do. They watch film. They do watch They film. do watch film. So call it whatever you want, but they evaluate and they watch film and they don't just do it once a year. They do it every day. Now, a family that wants to be unified and wants to be a strong team, they do it in two ways. They always do it with every family member, meaning something happens and the family sits down every day or once a week and says, how is this family doing? Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to you know, tell us? How do you feel? Do you guys feel loved? Do you feel heard? Do you feel like you know, what we're doing together is, is helping or building or – we ask those questions. Yeah. And, and that's really our equivalent to watching film. Now, the second way families do this is parents. They sit down, and I'm sure you've seen this with your wife. My husband and I, on a nightly basis, the kids are asleep and we say, how did today go? Yeah. Right? And this is where you watch film on each child in your head and you say, she struggled today. Why? Or he's doing great. How do Such we help great advice. work with that? So – it, you know, the team concepts are something we can all relate to and think about it that way. We have to watch film every day. We've yeah. got to sit down and evaluate. Businesses do it. That's right. Programs do it. They say, how did this work and why? Well, and it changes the game because now it's measurable. There's a metric. It is. And we need to know, is it getting better? Is it not? And how do we make it better? That's and cool. this is where you take from the family input and your spouse input. This is what's good. 
this is what isn't, and then you apply that. And if you want to become unified, watching film, that that's uh, going to really help you get there. So Heather, watch film. You did it again. Heather Ann Johnson. Go to the website, familyvolley.com. She's got tons of ideas there. She is the real deal, my friends. Appreciate you, Hadge. Good to We're be gonna here. We're going to take a break. When we come back, BYU Sports Nation up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back into the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio. I am producer Terry South. Matt Townsend, again, out saving marriages. It's what he does. He is a miracle worker. We're going to go down to BYU Sports Nation with Spencer and Brian Logan. How are you guys today? Oh, I'm feeling like a champion today, Terry. I'm, I'm doing. He's looking at me while he's saying that because of <laughs> our, our heated uh, discussion that we had yesterday. Um, but I am doing good. You know, I can't complain. I uh, have two eyes and two ears, and I woke up this morning, so I am blessed. What was your heated discussion over? Well, I'm not sure it was heated until Brian wanted to make it that way. It, it was just over BYU's tournament status as of yesterday, whether they were a lock, if they were in the field of 68 for the approaching March Madness tournament, or if they still, you know, had some work to do. And... It just so happens that BYU enjoyed a very good day without even playing yesterday. Seven of the nine teams that the Cougars were essentially rooting against ended up losing, and now BYU's status in the field is that much more solidified. So it just it just feels good. It just feels good to be in a good with position. Those, with those eyes. That, hey, I, w- I told you, sir, uh, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to ask you about. I'm looking forward to a lot of tournaments this weekend on TV. Bracketology. What what teams are is BYU looking at now after last night? After what happened yesterday? What who, what teams are they focusing on now that need to fall off so BYU can get into the tournament? Uh, there are there are a few um, root, teams to root against today. Notably uh, UCLA against Arizona. But I mean, yeah. a lot of these scenarios are. BYU is rooting against a team that is a heavy underdog, so it's it's more good news for the Cougars. But oh, uh, Arizona is a great team, so root against UCLA. Uh, root against Indiana; they play a ranked team in Maryland. Root against Temple against Memphis. Uh, so, but I mean, right now, honestly, Terry, even if even if all five of the teams that we have written down as BYU fans should root against, even if all five of them won today. I'm not sure that BYU's status would change that much in hmm. terms of getting into the NCAA tournament. There, that's that's how good yesterday was. Wow! So it all comes down to that hotel room in what is it, St. Louis or no, Indianapolis? Indianapolis. That's where they have them. Where meeting. BYU athletic Indy. director Tom Holmo is currently wearing the blue goggles. I think that's what helped him out. Or at least <laughs> at one right? point he was wearing the blue goggles in Indianapolis. Is he on the committee? He is on the committee. I forgot about that. With uh, Utah State. Athletic Director Scott Barnes, who is the chairman of that committee. And so uh, there are some Utah ties there. Tom took over for Jamie Zaninovich, the former West Coast Conference commissioner who took a job in the Pac-12 as an associate athletic director there. So Tom uh, took over Jamie's responsibility there. And uh, I was enjoying it. Could Tom maybe sweeten the deal with football to help out the basketball team having the Utah State athletic director there? Ooh. 
I'm not. I'm sure that there are conversations across multiple platforms. Extend some contracts, you know, things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The one thing we do know, however, about uh, BYU and, and his affiliation with them in, in terms of seeding the Cougars for the tournament is he has to excuse himself from the room, and he's not involved in any conversations that immediately affect BYU. doesn't mean he can't have conversations outside of the room, but in the room, in the war room, he cannot be there when BYU is discussed. Integrity. Come on. Yeah. Really? Just, just sit there, you know, make your case for your team. I understand. Step out of the room. Keep everything on the up and up. <laughs> All right. I have this story for you. Uh-oh, here we go. How many pull-ups can you do, Spencer? Oh, man. Are we talking like 19-year-old Spencer or are we <laughs> right, talking right now? Right now. Pull-ups? Pull-ups. Grab a bar, pull-up. How many oh, can you do in a row? Oh, man. I'd guess probably seven or eight. All right. Brian? Um, I actually did this earlier this week. I tried, and I got to five. Five wow. pull-ups? They're so hard. I got I got to five. Don't let – I try to tell people this all the time. Don't let the, the muscles and the body and the physique fool you guys. It's just the, the small – the extra small shirts I wear just really defines my <laughs> muscles. I really have no strength since I've stopped playing football. Uh, a gentleman in Texas, uh, Mark Jordan, he's 54. Okay. He did, in a 24-hour period, 4,321 pull-ups. Stop it. That's 30 pull-ups – Every 10 minutes. Wow. Who so documented this? The Guinness Book of World Records. Wow. How, what in the how world? Did, how, did you, how did you come up with that? Like, I'm just going to do four I want to break that Guinness <laughs> World Record. <laughs> right. the, the, he, he wanted to be 4321 for the number, so 4321. Oh, my And, goodness. you know, he passed the record. He blew the record before just out of the water, but he did, went 24 hours straight, and he was doing 30 pull-ups every 10 minutes. His lats have to be killing him yeah. right now. He can't even scratch his back. I mean, how, he has no movement. He's got to be so overly buff. 30 pull-ups every 10 minutes? Yeah, and he's 54, so, I mean, it's... That's it's a, a, it's an attainable thing. goal for all, I think. Oh my! <laughs> if we start now, we can yeah, get you there. can finish. No problem. Will I ever? Will I do four thousand three hundred twenty-one pull-ups in my lifetime? That is the question. Right. Well, right. no. Thirty? Can you do thirty pull-ups in ten minutes? Do you think? Oh heck, no. No. I mean, it would take serious training to get to build you, up that type of endurance. You start out fast time. and then fail. So. You're talking about maxing out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's maxing out. And I, I would like to see Ooh. how his technique, if, if he go all the way down, oh, yeah. I, halfway. I, I watched the video. It was straight arm and then right back up over the bar. Oh, yeah. He wasn't he, doing any sort of like a kip or a swing or anything. It was strict pull-ups. He is an animal for that then. Yes, he is. That's unbelievable. So I just wanted to share that, see what your thoughts on that were. So I guess we'll watch and uh, see how BYU fares this weekend. That we will do. Selection so. Sunday is going to be a celebratory time. What's coming at, up on your show Linton today? Household. Today we talked to former BYU basketball great Kevin Nixon. His son Dalton is a member of the team. What are the challenges of being a parent? You know, as you watch uh, one of your children go through the ups and downs, the roller coaster of a Division One sports season. So we're going to talk to Kevin about that. Also, get his thoughts on how he feels the Cougars will do in the tournament, assuming that they make it, and they will. <laughs> Are you looking, I'm not trying not to look Brian, at Spencer right Brian's now. Brian's not even looking at me anymore. Uh, so that that for starters. We also have Luke Mockey of BYU Rugby in to talk about, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, Terry, but BYU Rugby released a lip sync music video to Uptown Funk. Oh, wow. And it is something else. It's hilarious. Check, go check it out. I'll so go check gonna, that out. Yeah, that, we're going to ask him about why, just why would you do that? <laughs> And who thought about that? Uh, just another great show lined up. It's a Friday. We're going to have a good time and get ready for a major weekend of college hoops. And 
like I said, a celebration on Sunday for the BYU basketball team. Still looking at me, huh? Yep, still looking. <laughs> All right, have a good show. That's coming up next here on, on BYU Radio. Have a good day, guys. All right, Terry, All right, thanks. thanks. There you go. I always sit there and watch the the tournament selection, and they always talk about the bubble teams, and they talk about the, the teams that are first out, and and I just want to know who BYU is going to get bumped out by if, if someone decides to make that decision. So uh, yesterday, James was mm-hmm. a huge day for movie news, if you care about that stuff. Yeah, it was. The CEO, president, whatever his name is, of uh, Disney had an earnings call, a bunch of investors, and he just started saying all kinds of things. Talking about amusement parks and how they're changing some names and prices on the, it's just the whole business of Disney they discussed. And that's when he dropped that they're going to have a, a Frozen 2. They didn't say anything about the movie or production dates or any of those types of details, but the fact that the movie's going to exist, yep. not a big surprise. It didn't make a billion dollars. Usually something makes money. You try to do it again because it'll make more. Yeah, a bill, uh, $1.2 billion is a lot of money. Yeah, it's not like they're going to go, ah, oh, we have no more ideas. Nah. We'll nah. just shut that down. I'm done. So that's coming out. Um, what else came out yesterday? Uh, there was some Star Wars news. Oh, yeah. You had mentioned that in, in one of the breaks we talked about this. Uh, Disney talking about the Star Wars spinoff movies. Now, Star Wars, is they have a movie coming out this December, the first one. And then they'll, uh, every other year for the next five years or so, they'll come out. There'll be three of a Star Wars, the next three in the in the trilogy. And in the off years, they'll have spinoff movies. And the first one's been, uh, they announced the name in this earnings call called Rogue One. Mm. Does that mean anything to you, James? Rogue Squadron, maybe? It's the Rogue Perhaps. Squadron. It's uh, what? It's the fleet of pilots led by Luke Skywalker during the uh, the Battle of Hoth, so that have been Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So that squadron, they're going to make a movie, and that's all they said. And so you go online and people are speculating like crazy what it's going to be and the details and what's going to work into that, but... They, uh, December 2016 is when we'll probably see that movie. Mm-hmm. So Rogue One. That's the cool thing about the schedule is that there will be a Star Wars film every single year um, uh, for the next, what is it, five years? Yeah, until about 2020. 2020, yeah. So. That's that's awesome. And then, of course, they'll just stop. Yeah, of course. They'll there won't like, be any more after that. There was all, those mo- all that money made. We're stopping, so. Yeah, we'll see. They'll make more. Did we know that there was going to be uh, episode eight and nine? Or did was that? Yes. We did know that already. Yeah, they're okay. going to do another three. So the announcement was the the Star Wars films of the off years. Yes. Okay. That's what the these the spinoff movies is kind of what, and they just announced the first one. They haven't announced what the second one will be. There's yeah more speculation on that, but the idea is they're trying to do the same thing they're doing with Marvel, make a universe and mm-hmm. make all the story and everything kind of ties together. And so, well, yeah. and I think that generally speaking. Um, that's that's awesome. <laughs> well, it's it's a nice model that I think that a lot of people appreciate and like that being able to see what the schedule is mm-hmm. for upcoming movies. You know, with all the Marvel schedule, with now the Star Wars schedule, it's really nice knowing what's coming down the pipe. See, and I have them all scheduled in my calendar. Yeah, and I've shared that with my wife, and she's not really happy, but. I just I was letting her know where she's going to be on certain Saturdays for the rest of, for the next five years. It's a great time to be alive. <laughs> well, to be me. Oh yeah, to be you. To be me, and then my wife's not so happy about it. Yeah, but I told her if you want to go see a movie, just let me know, and I'll make sure your sister's available, and we'll, <laughs> we'll let you go see those movies. She thinks I should go to her movies. Well, yeah, I guess there's some give and take there, right? But 
what I offer is that I will take care of our son and you can go to the movie. Okay. That's fair. Is it? That's, I, I'm not I, – I'm like making her go see my movies, but then I don't see her movies. Uh, yeah, that, that's – But then I offer I'll take care of the kid and then you can – we usually have you know, a member of the family, aunt or something, take care of the kid. Well, you can take the aunt and go see the movie. Yeah. You don't want to see a girl movie with me. You know, I feel like Matt would be the same way about all of this. He, he, he would probably... It's a very one-sided situation. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think my wife cares is the reason why it happens. Because mm-hmm. if she cares about things, she fights for it. And this one, she just went, whatever. Okay, whatever. And I keep telling her, Ant-Man is coming out this summer. We're going to go see that one, too. As, as exciting as Ant-Man she's like, sounds. Ant-Man? Yeah, just wait. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be awesome. Well, I mean, nobody heard about Guardians of the Galaxy no. until they released a movie. But, yeah. Now everyone loves it. My wife's just like, oh, really? So, lots of movie news. Frozen 2, you can look forward to that. I know you are. I know James is looking forward to that. <laughs> it's huge news for I him. I cannot wait. So excited. And then Star Wars in December. Another Star Wars the next December. It's going to be great. Next five years, lots of movies. That's it for uh, today's Matt Townsend show here on BYU Radio. We'll be back on Monday. Matt Townsend will be here solving problems, saving marriages. That's what the man does. Thanks again. Have a great weekend.